good morning here on the bat around i am zach goodman he is ryan blake in today for paul valley Ryan, thank you for coming back to the show again. You've been here a lot lately. I, I have. I was here a month ago today with Paul. And oh, was it uh, a month ago today? It was a month ago today, and okay. it's, it's good to be back here with you. I always appreciate it. I'm, I'm very glad you can uh, you can make it work for us because you know we both have kind of crazy schedules. I know you do too, so I'm very glad you can you can come in and help us out when uh, when one of us. Paul's actually down playing baseball in Florida right now. He told me this morning that he pitched six innings and gave up two earned yesterday so he's like paul cy young valley that's not bad it's a quality start he, he, yeah, right and he won uh he won player of the game for them so i'm okay. guessing they he won they got the win so good stuff down there in, in florida i don't really know what like what league he plays in or he it doesn't really he, was, he, he didn't say it but he, he was telling me a little bit about it okay just like all these tournaments i, I don't i don't remember specific details yeah, but yeah. yeah i mean he, he seems to enjoy it and, and good no, for him it, that he can still go out there and play i was gonna say i mean he's he's apparently very good um and he played i believe it at harford community college so I, I need to go see him play at some point we'll have to we'll have to make that like a bat around field trip to see paul valley play baseball but anyway oh man, let's do it yeah exactly anyway um we had some big news this week, Ryan. Um, the MLB season is officially delayed uh, by a week, which is essentially two series. Um, we're looking at the first two series of the season being being delayed at this point. Um, I want to get your initial reactions on this because this is obviously the big thing that happened. This is very unfortunate. We, we're missing games now. We're down to you know really six or seven roughly for each team. Is, is this just so detrimental to baseball? Like, what, what's the long term effect here with, with these games being delayed? I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you said it. It's it's sad. It's disheartening. It's upsetting. Uh, it's it's frustrating. I'm I'm angry. Um, yeah. You know, especially when you consider that we just lost most of the season two years ago to COVID. Right. Um, you know, the fact that this went as long as it did. Yeah. And that they still haven't come to an agreement, despite you know these reports and possibly the owners leaking to the media that oh we're close on a deal. It's just a couple things to work out. Yeah. The other night when when Nightingale was was tweeting all about it, I mean, yeah, it's it's frustrating. And now now you have to wonder, you know, are, are these fans that are so disheartened by this that they're gonna you know stop watching the game for at least a little while? Yeah. Are we gonna need another you know steroid era home run chase? Are we gonna need another right. Cal Ripken streak to to save the game and bring some fans back? It's well, well, and that's what I thought about. And who would that guy be? I mean, there's no one that jumps out to me that's gonna. You know, to come in and just save baseball. It's not like you have that Cal Ripken that's been around, you know, since the early '80s, and now he saves baseball in the mid '90s because he's a hero and he's, you know, the consecutive games played and he's the Iron Man and all that. Like that's all great, but we don't have that now. There's no guy right now that's going to be that that everyone just, I guess, unanimously loves like Cal Ripken. Yeah, I mean, I think the closest in just in terms of consecutive games, I think the closest right now is Whit Merrifield, and he's played like seven or eight hundred yeah, in a yeah. row, something like that. But the, what I will say, you know, baseball at this time has more young talent than they've ever had yes. at one point. You've got the Ronald Acuna Juniors. You've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. Juan Soto. Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much to be excited about. You can even throw in names like Kyle Tucker. There's there's so much in baseball to be excited about in terms of the young players in the game and yeah. the, the yeah. passion that they show on the field and the excitement that they bring to the table that, you know, I think if we get you know, three of those guys competing for MVP for yeah. the next five seasons in a row, that's going to be great for baseball, and I think we'll bring in some more of the casual fans. But, I mean, they, they've pissed off a lot of people. Right, and I think it's fair to say that the product of baseball we have now, the, the product they've put out on the field, 
is as good as it has been for a long time. I think that it's better right now than when I was growing up watching baseball in the, you know, the, the late 2000s. I think it's better now. I mean, there's so many, like you said, there's so many young guys. There's so much excitement. I watch a guy like Juan Soto. I don't really care that much about the Nationals. I, I don't really care one way or the other. I love Juan Soto. He's my favorite player in baseball. I watch that guy get excited about baseball. Fernando Tatis, same thing. Manny Machado, guys like that. Like They're, they're exciting. They're young. They, they do things that guys really haven't done in the past at ages that guys haven't done things in the past. So it's, it's a different product that's being put out there. And, and frankly, I think it's a better product. And the sad thing is, is they don't market it. Nobody really knows who these players are. I mean, I saw a tweet the other day that said, I think it was LeBron has more uh, followers combined than, than all the baseball players combined in the entire major league, entire major league baseball. And LeBron's obviously ultra famous. I mean, he's been in movies, TV shows. I mean, he is. Everyone knows LeBron. He's an American icon. But why can't Mike Trout be that guy too? And I think a lot of that, the CBA negotiations and all of this, it just hurts that even more. It really does. Well, aside from the fact that you know MLB does a terrible job at marketing the right, best yeah, players, exactly. I mean, Trout is about as low-key as it gets when it comes he to is, yeah. professional he sports is. superstars that we've seen. And maybe I'll rephrase. How about Otani? We'll, we'll put Otani out there as that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, obviously he's got a different kind of flair about him mm-hmm. uh, in terms of not only what he can do on the field, but the way he behaves on the field. You know, he's he'll, he'll wipe a guy away with a splitter and then yeah. he'll smile and laugh at him. He'll field a ground ball between home and first yeah. and tag the guy out and apologize to him and they'll laugh about it together. Yeah. And, uh, you know... That, that kind of player you need in baseball. And luckily right now, I think, like you said, we have a lot of that. And so it's going to be important for Major League Baseball to figure out, you know, that, look, baseball's not dying, okay? Baseball, I, I hate when people say that. Baseball yeah, right. is not going to die. No. They, they, they could, I, never mind, I don't know. They, they, <laughs> could, they could kill someone I love and I'd still probably yeah. go to games, Yeah, you know? Um but, yeah, they, they, I think they need to take a step back and realize, you know, once this is all said and done, once they have an agreement in place mm-hmm. and there are Major League Baseball games going on, we need to figure out how to make these guys appeal to a greater audience. Right. And that's what, you know, the NBA is a worldwide sport. Right. Everyone watches LeBron. Yeah. Everyone watched Kobe. Everyone watched Jordan. Yeah. Uh, that's not the case for Major League Baseball. Right. And I think Otani is the closest we've gotten to that in terms of the, right. the worldwide pull that he gets. Uh, just because he's a player we haven't seen in since, since Babe Ruth, really. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Major League Baseball really needs to figure out, you know, how are we gonna, you know, bring in some younger fans and appeal to these guys? And I think right. they need to do that by marketing guys like Otani, Tatis, Acuna, Juan Soto. Right. Uh, that's what they need to do. It's not a new concept either. We know no. that the marketing of baseball has been bad for a long time. I, I think the best marketing they ever did was in the late '90s. When you know the guys like McGuire and Sosa and Bonds were all being marketed because of what they did on the field, but also what they did off on the field. You know, of course, McGuire was in a lot of those commercials. I think it was Nike, maybe I can't remember. But got you know promotions like that, and obviously MLB doesn't really have a hand in you know what what endorsements Mark McGuire gets or whatever. But he did that kind of stuff, and that's what I think we need to see more of. And it all just ties back into the CBA because we know that MLB doesn't market their players well. We know that MLB has dropping viewership and. It's, it's been kind of bleeding as far as people actually watching the sport. And the CBA just and not being able to come to an agreement 
just does so much to hurt that. So I, I do have a few numbers I wanted to j- just put out there because they are so far apart on some of these numbers still, but they're getting close on a few. Um, I will say that the the twelve and fourteen team playoffs is it seems to be coming to a head at this point. I think it's looking like they're going to do fourteen. It was agreed upon earlier this week that it was twelve, and now they're saying they're going to go back and make it fourteen. So I, I think the Major League Players Association is going to give that concession and, and give it to MLB because MLB obviously wants 14 teams because the owners want to make more money. If your team gets in the playoffs, you make more money. Simple as that. So it makes sense for the owners. They want 14 teams, and the Players Association wants 12. But they're still a little bit apart on that number. I think that gets settled pretty soon. Um, as far as the CBT, they're $18 million apart. Um, with the CBT, we're looking at $220 million versus $238 million. That's not a, a terrible gap. It was a lot bigger before. I think it was more close to like $45 million gap at yeah. the beginning. So they're definitely closing a little bit, but $18 million, there's still some work to go there. Um, I don't know why they can't just say, let's meet at 229 or something. Like, Yeah, I, I, it's, <laughs> if only it were that easy. Right, we would have had this done a couple months ago. Exactly. I mean, it's it just seems like these two sides never want to meet in the middle, and it just seems pretty simple that you could just meet at 229 that's basically at 229 would be almost right in the middle of where they originally wanted uh both sides one side wanted 200 the other side wanted 245 um it's the the cbt is is i guess it's interesting but it's not one of the bigger things that i'm really concerned about me neither if this number ends up at 220 okay this number ends up at 238 okay i'm not really it doesn't really move the needle for me one way or the other um but the biggest number they're a part on right now is the pre-arbitration pool they're $55 million apart in that right now. And that's a sizable gap. I And, and that's something you haven't heard much about. Like you, if you've been following Bob Nightingale, which I'm sure you have very well, um, John Heyman, some of the bigger guys reporting these new, uh, this news, Evan Drellich is another one, uh, Jesse Rogers, all the guys, I would go follow them because they're, they're reporting on this constantly. But they're basically, they, they haven't mentioned this pre-arbitration pool. It doesn't sound like it's one of the things that is really holding these two sides apart, but $55 million is a very sizable number. Um, and maybe you've heard it differently than I have, but I haven't really heard it get much coverage. Yeah, it's one of those things that hasn't really seemed to be a hot-button issue, but like you said, yeah. $55 million is a massive gap. It especially is, it consider, is. You know, when you look at the CBT, the original gap was like, I think you said $45 million, Yeah. right? And they've they've come down to 18 million apart on that, and it's still a, a significant gap. So, right. you know, with the with the pre-arbitration pool, 55 million is massive, and uh, you know, if that's going to be a major issue for one yeah. of, one side or the other, then they're going to need to get working on that. Right. And I mean, it's, it should have been done in December. I mean, yeah. if you're 55 million apart on something, it should have been started. You know, you should have started talking about it two months ago. Like, like I. It just makes no sense to me. Like you said earlier, meeting them, everyone budges 27.5 million. Right, right. Meet in the middle. But, I, I saw know. a tweet earlier this week that I thought resonates well with all of this. They said, look, no one goes away from negotiations happy. That's because negotiations, you're never going to come away with like a happy agreement. You're going to have to meet in the middle on some of these things. Nobody's going to come away and say, wow, we did great in that. Because that's just not how these things work. They're legal battles and they're legal arguments, and usually they don't work out you know, really the way that everyone wants them to. It's just not how these things work. But they are also are still $25,000 apart a minimum salary. We're looking at 700000 versus 725000 I think that issue is all but kind of closed up at this point. They'll, I agree. They'll land on one. I mean, it's it, really $25,000 difference a year. It's, it's virtually, I don't want to say it's nothing, but it's not a lot. So I'm not really too worried about that. Ryan, I, I want to ask you, because the 12 versus 14 playoff structure is a bit interesting to me. Um, because I think, as far as Orioles fans go, uh, you would want to see a 14-team playoff structure, right? Is that what I, I would think? 
if you're an Orioles fan, sure. But yeah. you know, three years down the road, if we're one of the best teams in baseball, then we're going to be like, well, yeah. why why are the you know eighty two and seventy eight Blue Jays getting in? Fair. I think the big thing for me is that you look at this division and the talent in it right now. Yeah. With the Blue Jays being really good, with the Yankees, eh, they don't really win in the postseason, but they're still good. We'll, we'll call them a good team. The Red Sox, they're they're a danger to win the the, uh, the whole thing every year. Um, you know, except a few years ago in 2020 when they got, uh, I think, the fifth worst record that year, and or something they, like that. They fourth tied worst. with us, but they got the higher pick. That's right. They had the fourth. They had the fourth pick that year. Um, but you look at teams like this, and, and the Rays, of course, are a powerhouse. They they produce incredible pitching. The the lineup always outperforms what it looks like on paper. Every team is good in this division right now, except the Orioles. And they're poised to be good for a long uh, a long time. Because you look at the farm systems, and even the Red Sox, which their farm system was relatively terrible in the past few years, it's now really good. I mean, they've got guys like Duran, Bobby Dahlbeck just came out of there and looks really good. So it's kind of concerning to me now that you have so much future behind what's already on these really good teams. I mean, the Red Sox still have J.D. Martinez and these big bats and this, this great pitching staff. How much does it concern you that the Orioles won't be able to compete with that unless you get a 14-team structure? Yeah, I mean, it's it's even with the current, what is it, 10-game? 10 10 I, I believe it's 10 at the moment, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. You know, when you're in the American League East, it's always going to be no matter how good yeah. you are. The Rays have a tough battle with their competition. The they Blue do. Jays have a tough battle with the competition they're up against. And so the Orioles, you know, needing to prove when th- within the next few years that they can compete in this division. Yeah. They're, they're going to have to make a massive improvement over the next few years. And, yeah, 14-team right. playoffs would certainly help with that because, you know, you, you become a 500 team in a couple of years and you've got right. a shot at getting in. And once you're in, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen that plenty of times before. Um, so, yeah, a, a, as an Orioles fan, you know, you would think a 14-team 14 te- 14 team playoff would, uh, would be beneficial in the long run. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I personally you – know, I know you wrote this in the notes. I don't mean to steal your lines, no, no, but you, you, I, I personally prefer 12 as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other way I look at it is, and I, I do want to ask uh, Stan uh, uh, about this when we have him on in a few minutes, the NFL has 14 teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The NHL and NBA both have 16. And for those two leagues, it's been that way since, for the NBA, 1984, for the NHL, 1994. Yeah. I believe I have those dates right. I apologize if I don't. So it might be one of those things where yeah, half the league's getting into the playoffs. We don't like it at first, but then it just becomes part of the game, and then it just becomes the way it is. So, you know, I, I wonder if it's something that's going to really – kind of like the, the moving back of the outfield wall at Camden Yards. I, I, a lot of people don't like it off the bat, but eventually we're going to get used to it, and that's just going to be the way it is. Yeah, So right. if they end up settling in 14, I'm not going to be upset with it. I'd personally prefer 12, but – what can you do? I just want to remind everyone that this show is brought to you by Simply the Bets. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster joins the, guy, joins the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook Live Casino Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. And coming this week, check out Weekend at Bookie a new uh, bi-weekly sports betting show Thursday mornings at 11.40 a.m. So that's simply the bets. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Ryan, that um, the, the 12 teams, it, it definitely does make a little more sense given 
that you don't want to dilute the talent. The, not, talent's not really the right word for it, but the competition um, that, that's in the playoffs. Because you want these playoffs to be exciting. And if you have an 82-win team in the, in the playoffs, it's not really that exciting. So um, I, I agree with you there, but from an Orioles fan perspective, I think you would want 14. But I, I, I want to be in the playoffs as right, soon as I mean, possible. Right, I mean, it, but it doesn't mean less if you're in the playoffs because of a 14-team uh, entrance, I guess I should say. Not if that's the way it is. I mean, we fair, we fair, felt we yeah. felt weird about the American League Wild Card game, and the Orioles yeah. ended up winning the very first one of those. So that right. was pretty cool, you right. know. Yeah. If we're the the first, you know, the first fourteen seed to make it to a World Series, that'd be pretty cool. That so, would be very cool. You know, if if we're in the playoffs, I'm not going to be complaining about why or how we got in. I'm just going to be yeah, excited to be there. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, now. We do need to talk a little bit about when this the, these two sides are going to start meeting again, but we don't really know. Um, they did meet yesterday, representatives from both sides, but they didn't really have a productive conversation, it sounded like. It was more just like a touching base kind of thing. Apparently, these two sides haven't learned that you can just call people. I, it thought, I mean, they, they made 14 trips back and forth. What was that, Monday, Tuesday night? Yeah. Um, 14 trips back and forth across this this parking lot. Like you could just like get on a Zoom or something. Like and I <laughs> I don't you know why I don't know why we have to meet in person for any of this to happen. Like if one side's in California, the other one's in New York, you can still do it. It's the it's 2022. We've been using Zoom so much recently. Like, right, right. Why do they have to meet in person? Listen, <laughs> th- this entire process they've made way harder than it needs to be. So right. I, it it just seems like it's a bunch of out of touch people with the rest of the world at the moment. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's one of the most concerning things about it. It's it's like you look at what's going on in Ukraine right now and you look at what's going on with the the pandemic still and it's like all right, we're we're fighting over how many teams are getting in the playoffs. Yeah. Like really? Like it, that's the that's the one thing that I think is a really bad look for baseball and, and and like you said at the beginning of the show, I hope it doesn't drive baseball fans away, but you just never know because they're I mean people get driven away at the weirdest things like the Andrew Kashner trade for example. <laughs> um, people people stop watching baseball for a, a weird variety of reasons and the lockout may be one of them, but I I think eventually you get to August, September and especially the playoffs, of course, I think people end up forgetting about it as long as we play 140 games or more. We're going to be fine. Baseball is bigger yeah. now than it was in 1994 and 95 when they missed games because yeah. of the strike. I mean, it, it's like like you said, it, it it's annoying when people say baseball is dying because it's just not no true. matter how much they piss us off, yeah. it's not going to happen. I mean, there, there's too many fans and there's too many people actually devoted to the game. And the people the people who stop watching baseball because of this lockout <clears throat> are, are probably not the most devoted fans in the first place. They're more right. your casual watchers. Me and you are going to sit down and watch probably 150 games this year at least, if that happens. If they play 150, they play I'm watching 150. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, we're going to watch them all, but there are some people that watch five or six and call themselves baseball fans and it's like a little bit of a different thing than and, and that's fine i mean if you want to do that that's great but yeah. um you're just you're not the same you're not losing a devoted fan like ryan or i and, and that's just the difference there and I, I don't think baseball will lose those super devoted people um I do want to I do want to segue a little bit here because there was some massive Orioles news this week and we're going to get to it later uh, we're going to talk about that in Orioles banter relating to Carlos Correa um, so I don't want to really spoil any of that here, but we're we're pretty excited to talk about that. There's some interesting stuff from Raul Ramos. We'll get to that later. Uh, but Ryan, any any final before we call Stan here, any final thoughts on the CBA? And I, I do want to ask you the final question of, of when does this get done? Like when does the, these talks end up, you know, coming to a point where it just gets done? Man, I wish I had an answer for that. <laughs> I I you know, like I said at the beginning, 
I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm disheartened. I think that's the the biggest word I could use. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I hope they are able to bridge the gap soon. But if it yeah. is true that you know ownership was essentially lying to the media the other night when they said, yeah. you know, we're, we're close to a deal. This might get done in the wee hours of the morning, but it's looking like it's going to get done. We've agreed on 12 teams in the playoffs, yeah. and there's only a couple other things to work out. If that's true that they said that and then came back the next day and that, you know, they had all this fine print, you know, I think there were players tweeting out that there was yeah. there was fine print that was things they had never talked about before, and that's not operating in good faith. Not at all. You have to be able to communicate with the other side, do it effectively, do it reasonably, and to this point, they haven't been able to do that. So it's a shame that it took them, you know, 43 days after their first initial proposal to follow up with mm-hmm. anybody. It's a shame that, you know, they were trying to come down to the wire and Rob Manfred, when asked why it took so long to, to figure it out, he said, well, we've worked really hard for the last 10 days. What does that mean when you've had three uh, months yeah, since season I mean, ended? I mean, yeah. It's I, out I of touch. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, I, I, but to be honest with you, to answer your question at this point, I would be thrilled if we get opening day by May 1st. Wow, that's actually farther back. I, I think we're going to get a deal this month. That's my guess. I hope so. But it, it just seems like they're getting too close in some of these, except the $55 million gap. That's a big one on the on the pre-arbitration. Uh, but I do think they're getting close enough where we'll see a deal this month, hopefully. I hope so. I just, I, I, I'm worried that ownership has burned too many bridges. And you know, yeah. play, players are rightfully tweeting out about how pissed off they are. you got, you got Marcus Stroman tweeting about how Manfred's got to go. Yeah. You've got these players, you know, Andrew Miller, Ross Stripling, giving quotes to the media where they're saying, you know, ownership is being incredibly dishonest with us. Mm -hmm. They're not operating in good faith and we're angry and they have every right to be. And if I'm in that position, if I'm a player, I'm thinking, all right, well then here's our last and final offer. Take it or leave it or we're sitting out the season. Yeah. That might might sound extreme, but I think the players are rightfully very angry at this point. I I didn't like that final offer stuff from the ownership side. That's like, it's not your final offer. Your final offer is the one that gets accepted. I mean, I I know you might say it's your final offer. It's not. That's not how final offers work. I mean, your your final offer is one that's actually fair, which the other one really wasn't. And I'm, I'm not really taking a side. I don't really take a side here because I think both sides are just far, you know, too far apart on on issues to really make any sense of it. And I don't really care, frankly, at this point who wins. Like, I, I don't care if the owners win this. I don't care if the players win this. Um, because eventually one side is going to win, I would say. Yeah. And then it's probably going to be the owners, eventually. Probably. I, yeah. uh, I believe the Players Association said that the players are getting paid during this, this uh, week of cancellation of games. I believe that's true. Manfred said in his press conference that he, he players would not be paid. He but didn't, and then I heard that the PA did. I'll have to check on that. Huh, but okay. um, maybe Manfred was not telling the truth on that one. I'm not entirely sure. That would be the least surprising thing I, in the world. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I did notice, too, I, I left one part out of my notes on the, on the CBA talks here. Um, that I didn't get to yet, and that's the draft lottery. It looks like we've settled on five teams. Um, what are your thoughts on, on five teams? Is that something that you expected, or would you rather be eight? Or I, I don't know how you feel on this whole draft lottery. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on it, to be honest. You know, I, I like the way things are now, but I, I agree that it you know, emphasizes tanking and gives you know, teams like the Orioles an opportunity to intentionally put a bad product on the field uh, for the purpose of getting a higher draft pick. But I think a five-team lottery is reasonable. I, I think eight might be a little bit much, but I think eight is what the NBA does. So, you know, again, maybe it's one of those things where we're just going to get used to it, and eventually that's going to be the way it is, and we'll enjoy it. But, you know, I have no problem with it personally. 
No, I, I, I'm with you for sure. I, I don't really have a problem with it. Um, and it's something that I think we, we've seen coming over the past few years, that a, a draft lottery is is imminent, and it's going to help with the competitive balance, maybe. I, I don't know if there's going to be massive changes, but I think it might help with, with competitive balance a little bit. Um, and, and as far as the Orioles are affected, I don't think it's going to be a massive effect on them, because if they start getting better, they won't have to worry about the top five teams in the draft. That's true. And that's, that's simply something that Elias is probably going to have to convince himself of, is that, hey, we're not going to be so bad next year that we're going to have to be in this top five and I'm going to have to worry about whether I'm picking one or five. So, I mean, that's that's something important to think about. But on the line now, we do have the uh, the, uh, the owner of Pressbox, Stan, the fan, Charles. Stan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. I'm the founder and publisher. I'm slight owner. Oh, I, I got my facts wrong. I'm sorry on that. That's all right. You wanted to I, say I, I the wanted, grand I, poobah. I, I was going to give you a really, okay. yeah, I was going to give you a really good introduction. It didn't work out. Paul, <laughs> Paul does better introductions. But Stan, that's Paul, that's quite all right. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing. How you good. doing, I'm doing Ryan? How you I'm doing? doing well, Stan. How are you? Good. Good. What's S- up? Stan, uh, we, we have to talk about the CBA. Uh, they didn't come to an agreement. The first week of games is canceled. There could be more coming because these two sides don't look like they're willing to meet still. Where do you see this, these talks at this point, and, and how far are we from this becoming a disaster? Um, I'd say we're probably about three, four weeks away from it becoming an absolute disaster. You know, it's a, it's a grade-level disaster right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a column the other day, and to me, while I understand it takes two sides to make a deal, yeah. um, I think the commissioner has been pretty much uh in absentia you know yeah. the entire negotiations you know he needed to take this is this is not like that the 2021 season ended and they said oops uh we got the basic agreement ends in, in <laughs> yeah. two months they've known that these very issues that they're squabbling over right now the commissioner of the sport has known that these dark clouds were forming since yeah you know, April, May of 2020. Yeah. So he's had what? You know, two two plus years. Yeah. Uh, to to hammer at getting some type of deal, getting friendlier with Tony Clark. Um, you know, there's a myriad of things that make deals happen, mm-hmm. and and they really didn't negotiate at all in earnest until I'd say the last ten, twelve days. You know, before the announcement. Right. So. Um, I think the the good news to me is there's there's sort of a magic bullet, if I'll call it that, and that is that the owners really want this fourteen game playoff, you know, yes, fourteen yeah. team fourteen team playoffs scenario, and the players that come off of ten, look from a from a true purity standpoint, ten was was fine, twelve is fine. 14 starts to get a little, you know, like ice hockey. It yeah. seems like uh, everybody makes it. But that's what the owners, that is really the, the crest of what the owners want, is that 14-game plan. And a lot of this other nonsense kind of goes away when they get that. And it sounds like the players are kind of realizing that and there's the key to how they're going to solve the money issue with the uh, back pay for games missed. And I think both sides are going to come at it in a in like probably Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. with a renewed urgency to not have this end up being 
18 to 25 games, mm-hmm. 25 to 30, because then you start to take away a lot of the cash that the owners would make with the new baseball playoff tier. Definitely, definitely. And does it rub you the wrong way that Rob Manfred came out uh, after, you know, they, they didn't agree after that 5 p.m. deadline, then he comes out, does a press conference, and he's just kind of laughing off everything, and there doesn't really seem to be that sense of urgency that you mentioned before. Does that rub you the wrong way that Rob did that? Uh, Rob Manfred's been rubbing me the wrong way for a good <laughs> fair while. Enough, fair um, enough. I did not bother to even look at how he looked. I didn't see it, you know. I just sort of read the, read the news stories about it. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's not an... I think the one thing we have to realize is it's not an entire shock to us, you know, that, no, this, that no. it came to this, you know. Well, and, and um, as you said, I mean, there, there's been these these dark clouds brewing for a long time now. We, we've known that the CBA could cause a possible lockout, and it ended up doing it. And, and, and the thing yeah. that rubs me the wrong way is that the play, that the owners didn't really have to do this. I mean, they never really had to lock out the players. It's not like this was a requirement. They could have played a little bit and tried to negotiate this while they did that, um, but it didn't seem like that was going to happen. Now these things are, are coming to a point where it's it's just bad for the sport and, and bad for it long term. How, how much of an effect do you think this has on the sport long term? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not real good at calculating that because, you know, I've, I've been around a lot longer than you have on this planet. So, mm-hmm. and been commenting on this stuff. And there've been times I've probably used that it's going to kill the sport it, back in 1994, or, you know, yeah. at different times along the way, the, the sport is still beloved by a lot of people. It's not followed the way it used to be by as many people, yeah. um, and and it really has fallen fallen snugly into third place, and that that breaks my heart to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's behind uh, football and it's behind basketball now. You know. Yeah, and and you look at the the major league baseballs, uh, the the failure of them to market their players and to get a younger crowd excited about guys like Shohei Otani and Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis and some of the really exciting players we have because there is a lot of talent in baseball right now. Ryan and I mentioned it before that baseball is as talented right now as it has been in a long time. And Major League Baseball doesn't seem to want to get people interested in this. Um, And then when you cancel games, it just doesn't seem like long term that things are going to be getting better for the sport and that it's going to overtake the NBA or NFL again. Yeah, it's it's going to be a long hard uh, it's going to be a long hard drive. You know, I don't think these owners really quite looked at the attendance figures last year, you know, yeah. you had several yeah. teams draw under a million people. And, and uh, I guess it's fair to say COVID contributed to some of that. There's no question it contributed to that, but uh you know, the Orioles could have been COVID-free and might have drawn nine hundred thousand or a million people last year. Yeah. They weren't. It wasn't just the COVID. You know, last year that they drew seven hundred and seventy thousand people. Definitely, and that's you know close to a new low for the Orioles, and they've they've been struggling with during this rebuild with attendance, and maybe that's more on on the fact that it is a rebuild and not that baseball is is suffering in attendance numbers. But I think it's also a little bit of a mixture of both. But speaking of uh, of numbers here, Stan, I, there is a big number that 
they were talking about earlier this week in the CBA negotiations. There was a lot of numbers, frankly, but this is one of them. The 12 versus 14 team postseason um, is another one that, that we need to talk about. And I, I just want to get your, your stance on this. I know you already talked about it a little bit more, but what's your full stance on, on where you stand with this? Um, I, you know, I think it's really uh, the, the one thing is I really don't think they can go down this bucket again for mm-hmm. a good while, you know, until maybe they've added four more teams or something like that, maybe 10 yeah. years from now. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing is if you went up incrementally to 12, you'd have that next step to make. Yeah. And it's really interesting the figures that they're throwing out or leaking out or however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. They're saying that they if they have 14 teams, it will bring in an additional $100 million from ESPN. Interesting. But it says if they have 12 teams, they'll have $85 million. Well, if that's all that's different is $15 million, then I would like them to keep it at 12 teams. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't see the need... It would be one thing if it's 50, 50 or $60 million for the one level and there's a $40, 50000000 million difference. But for $15 million, that that doesn't seem accurate. It seems something is amiss a, a in those numbers. But, but in terms of um, you know where sports are today and the excitement really is in the playoffs, you know, yeah. the, the second season. And they have... Um, they have not done, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think I can live easily with 14 teams, you know. But what I'd like to see reciprocal is I'd like to see them move the schedule back uh, to a later start and cut the games maybe to back to 154 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see it drifting into November, you know. Uh, I'd like to see the season end maybe September 15th to 18th, somewhere in that ballpark, and then the playoffs could end, you know, by October 20th. And that that would be that. It's hard to argue with that for sure. Now, Stan, you mentioned a couple sports earlier, um, and I, I wanted to point out with regards to this playoff expansion, the NBA has had 16 teams in their playoffs since, I believe, 1984, the NHL since 1994, and we see the NFL recently expanding, and it just be kind of come becomes something that is just the way the sport is. Now, you know, you mentioned the room to grow, and obviously if we if we settle on 14 at this point, that's just about half the league. You're going to have almost three teams from each division making the playoffs. Uh, and so is this going to become one of those things that we just kind of get used to as part of the game? What, what, what do you think on that? I, you know, I do, I do worry about that because I, for a long time, I felt that the the number of teams that make the playoffs is is kind of just right, but that that might be a case of a, a seventy year old's eyes, you know, hmm. attached to that, and it's just frankly, you said it best, is it just the way we we are and we'll accept yeah. it? I think you know, in this day and age, uh, when they give. That when they give away ribbons for uh, competing, you know, yeah, you know, at the end of uh, little league or something like that, I guess that that's what what it is. They want more people getting something. So, um, you know, the the purity of the game has been it has been lost for a long time, and it'll get a little less pure. You know, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that the owners' argument uh, over this entire CBA 
is trying to keep the game as, I, I guess, I don't want to say old, but as um, they want to make it stay the same as much as possible. That's the word I'm looking for. And it, it seems like they don't really want a lot of progress in the rights that the players get and how much money they get. And it's kind of concerning. Where, where do you stand on the minor leaguers and all of the effects that this is going to have on them? Because they don't really get a say in all of this. Like you, you have guys like Max Scherzer negotiating this and Trey Turner. I mean, they're some of the biggest stars making the most money. And I, I look at this and I, I see that they're failing to think about, I think, some of the guys that are still in the minors and are going to come up and, and have maybe successful careers, but maybe they'll always be making the league minimum and that's all they do in their career. How much of an effect does the CBA have on guys like that? And and how weird is it to see guys like Max Scherzer really trying to negotiate these salaries for the guys that make a lot less than him? Well, uh, first of all, we don't know the, the exact number of star players. That's that fair. Are, we, we don't know. That, you know, I, I, I can't say that, that there might be I just Twelve don't... other guys or fifteen other guys that are yeah. negotiating for their team uh, that are are nominal players. Fair. Yeah. Um, I, I think it speaks very highly to the, and I think this is a message they want to send because remember each team has a player rep that that sort of is part of this a little bit, but then you have the executive committee, and I think it speaks louder to the owners. That you have players like Max Scherzer mm-hmm. and um, who, who give me a couple other of the names. I know Zach Britton's in there. Zach Britton. He's made a lot of money. Um, Trey Turner, you have Andrew the, Miller. Yep, Andrew who? Miller's another one. Trey Turner. Who? Trey Turner. Yeah. You have some star caliber players. Yeah. It speaks to the to the unity of the union that the star players are going to bat for lesser players, and I think really. I guess I don't think what's been I don't think what's been explained is that point I made last week uh, or two weeks ago, Zach. That article I sent you. To read, oh yeah, yeah. Um, the one by uh, T.J. Sawchuk or something. I forget. Or Travis Sawchuk about what you've really seen over the last ten or twelve to fifteen years has been a sort of a systematic attempt by ownership and partly using analytics and everything mm-hmm. to create an, a massive underclass of players that becomes so interchangeable talent-wise that the only deciding factor whether somebody stays on your roster is, is how much money they're due to get from arbitration. Mm-hmm. And, and what you've seen, as Sawchick's article pointed out a couple weeks ago, was that they have now taken the average player's career from, I think, 4.7 years in length to something like 3.6. That's pretty astounding that is, when you think, yeah. about, you think about how hard it is to break into an industry and then over a little bit of money in the grand scheme of things they're going to turn you into a player that can never make that that, that nice level of pay yeah. and have some job security. They're going to turn you into, like I said, a nomad. And that's what you have now is trying to keep people from making six or seven million dollars in a season. They then they don't they don't offer them arbitration. They get cast out. And then somebody signs them for a million five, and then the next year they, they never are arbitration eligible again once they've been let go. 
So you have this cast of players, you know, this massive cast of players that are just struggling to have a career. They're going to Japan because of economics. You know, a lot of times you see players that go to Japan because of quality of their performance. That's mostly the pitchers that go over to see see if they can learn something to come back and get a big contract. And it and has happened to several players, but not not all of them. A lot of them end up having to go to Japan. So what it's done is it's really been a smack in the face of of young baseball players. Yeah. You know, that either if you're not a star, we don't really have room for you. And, and that, look, I, I personally had some issues with the way Adam Jones felt about me, and I, don't, I never in a million years fully understand it, but I appreciated Adam Jones as a, as a player. He was not a great player. He was a very good player, uh, and he wasn't going to be even very good for long when he decided, but for a player of his caliber to sort of size up the market and immediately jump at a two-year, what was it, $12 million or $14 million contract to go to Japan when he had been making $15 million a year, um, that's pretty sort of reprehensible to me. Yeah, Stan, I, I'm not sure what uh, exactly you know the problem Adam Jones had with you, but he, he blocked me on Twitter for writing a hot take article that he <laughs> should perhaps move to a corner outfield spot. And granted, this was the final year. That's of really, fun- that's really funny because... Because I wrote a take at a certain point when the Angels needed relief pitching, and I projected a trade. I projected a trade of a couple Oriole relief pitchers for Peter Borges. And I say, people ask, you know, why would you, you got Adam Jones, why would you do Peter Borges, you know? And I said, well, Adam can move. This is early in his career. And it was when I thought Borges was going to be like an amazing defensive player. Yeah. Uh, and he never really stayed healthy enough or, or played enough to establish that. But he got ticked off at seeing that, that tweet uh, that had her digital director actually tweeted to him. Uh, and it, that started it, but it was over years. I don't know. I then had a good relationship with him again. And then all of a sudden, in his last year, year and a half, he just, you know, he, he's always bad-mouthing me. So, um, but it was interesting, at the time I was projecting that trade, the Orioles did sign Nate McLeod. And mm. what I saw was actually true, Is and it wasn't Adam's fault. It was that Nate McLeod was such a good left fielder that, there, there weren't nearly the, the number of balls that were falling between left field and center field. Mm-hmm. So. Stan, as, as much as I love talking about the, the recent glory days of the Orioles, uh, I do, yeah. do want to get back to, to minor leaguers uh, just for a moment. Um, yeah. How aware do you think Major League Baseball ownership is of the hardships that these minor leaguers, and I'm not talking about the ones who get drafted high and sign for you know a couple million dollars signing bonus. I'm talking about the ones who, who come in from overseas, come in undrafted or later rounds. They're making less than minimum wage to make it through the season. Uh, they're, they're taking on second and third jobs, especially in the offseason, to make ends meet. They're, room, they're being roommates with, with five, six other teammates. Yeah. Um, 
how how aware do you think ownership is of this fact? And do you think it would be beneficial for the Players Association to perhaps bring a couple of these minor leaguers into negotiations and really explain to them, like, this is how my teammates and I have lived for the last five years of my minor league career? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that that should be necessary. And it, it looks like the, the one positive thing that Manfred has done has been to sort of proactively address some of these things, but he did it sort of at the same time he was destroying about 30 small cities around the country, right. uh, you know, by, by taking away their, their minor league baseball team. So. Yeah, I, I think the effect on minor leaguers, and maybe I didn't phrase my question properly before, but I think the effect on minor leaguers, and what I was trying to say, is going to be a lot bigger uh, with this CBA than a lot of people think it will be. Um, you know, we talk about how many teams get in the postseason, how many, you know, the, the minimum salary, of course, is a big uh, effect on these players. But there's a lot of things that really go into this that we don't even hear about and a lot of these behind-the-scenes the negotiations that are going to have a, a long-term effect on these minor leaguers. And, and teams need to be more aware, I think, of how they're treated and the ways that, um, you know, they get to live and eat and do all that. But, Stan, I, I, th- I, think, they've, I think they've gotten aware of that. And maybe, I think yeah, that, that's maybe. a noble thing that the sport is doing is attacking those issues. I hope so. I hope so. But I, yeah. I want to move uh, or turn the page here a little bit to another topic that came out this week. Now, Glenn Clark talked about it on his show. He had the guy who wrote this article, Raul Ramos, on his show to talk about this. But Carlos Correa is rumored to sign with the Orioles. Or I, I shouldn't say sign, but the Orioles have interest in signing Correa. Uh, they made him a sizable offer of around $350 million. We're going to talk about this extensively at the end of the show, but I want to get your thoughts on on Correa and how much he would move the needle for the Orioles if this was true. Um, I, I was totally unaware of this when I read when I read your notes uh, as to areas we were going to discuss today. Mm. Uh, have not heard anything about this. Don't know anything about it. Didn't know Glenn was having somebody. Yeah, had him on uh, uh, Tuesday, to, I believe. Yeah, to talk about it. Um, I got to be honest. As much as as much as he's a great talent, I'd be very cautious about giving uh, Correa three hundred and fifty million dollars because of the uh, you know uh, his his health. You know, that's that's uh, good he's point. Got, he's had chronic back issues. I really this this club cannot afford to sign another Chris Davis like contract where you don't at least get the player in full form. So uh, I, I'm frankly not that interested in the Orioles signing Correa. Yeah, I, I I will talk again. We're going to talk about this one later extensively, but I will say right off the top that I don't think this is true. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't I I don't see how they could be serious about that yeah you know? I, I just think from all we've heard from Dan Connolly and some of the guys that are really plugged in and I don't know how plugged yeah. in Raul Ramos is because yeah. he, he's a Mets who's he, who's he right for uh it's it's some website that has a a Spanish name that I don't exactly know maybe Ryan okay. knows I, I don't know the name of it either but I yeah. you know, and I I can't fact check this but I I did see someone tweet that it's the same account who tweeted a couple years ago that uh Reds pitcher Luis Castillo was being traded to the Yankees, which obviously did not. Oh, happen. is that so, true? Okay. So I, I don't know how much credibility we can put into it. Yeah, he, I mean he's ver- yeah. he's verified on Twitter. Um, he writes for a website called. And he's a, he's also a uh, Baseball Writers of America Association member. Um, so there is that. He writes for a. Okay. It's it's called Con Las Bases Llenas. Is the if I said that I'd right. have a real hard time believing the Orioles are going from the 
strong you know signing right. Roofnet Odor right right uh, exactly you know and uh, who's uh, and who's who's the other guy now they're interested in Donovan Solano yeah Solano um, I mean I'd have a hard time believing that they're piddling around with that but they got three hundred and fifty million to sign you know uh, a player of that caliber right. I, I just I it doesn't ring true to me. At all. Now, I don't know how much you know about Solano. I don't know a ton, but I know he's a versatile guy. He can play all the infield positions outside of first. He's played some left and right field in his career. He's a guy who can move around a little bit, and he's been about a one-and-a-half war player for the past three years, which is definitely valuable, especially to an organization like the Orioles that don't get a lot of those players. You know, they, They've had guys who are down in, you know, even in the negatives in the past few years as far as war goes. He's a guy who gets on base a little bit, not a lot of power, but a solid, versatile defender. Uh, is Solano a guy that you would be interested in seeing the Orioles sign? I'd certainly be interested in signing him. You know, I, I see him as... And is there another guy that we're missing? Is Odor? And then didn't they sign one other Jordan player? Jordan Lyles was the player. Who is it? Jordan Lyles, the pitcher. No, I meant an infielder. Oh, infielder. I, I was thinking, whatever it is, if, if Odor has any value at all, it would be against right-handed pitching. And so, to me, a Solano-Odor... Odor sort of platoon yeah. might make might make some sense to me. I, I think know, the player like that. Right, yeah, I, I agree. I think the player you're thinking of is Shed Long. Uh he was a minor league deal. That's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, Shed, I mean a lot of power, versatile guy again, but I, I think his odds to make the roster are kind of Very it, it's, it's gonna yeah. be tough, yeah, at this point. And yeah. he, he has And I watched enough of Jumai Jones last year. <laughs> that I, I don't yeah. see him as a hitter. At any point. No, I, I don't see Jamai Jones as, as being much of a, a factor for this club. But Stan, thank you very much as always for uh, for joining oh. our show. We, and Paul Valley will be back next week. But thank you again for uh, for uh, right, doing guys. what you do every week. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy it. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was Stan the fan Charles, and he always has some some great stuff to give us. Always, I mean, he he just is, is a wealth of knowledge in so many areas. So always great to have him on. And Stan the Fan Charles has two great shows for you every week, every Monday night. Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross chatted with MLB scout Shane Turner, while Stan and Gary caught up with the retiring Fox 45 sportscaster Bruce Cunningham. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And or at pressbox.com slash video. Coming up on Monday, you won't want to miss it when the great Tim Kirkchen joins Stan and Ross at 5 p.m. And we can bet on sports in Maryland now, but we still can't bet online or on our phones. However, you can feel like you're betting totally legally and right on your phone by playing underdog fantasy football. Player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games are all available even though the football season has ended. Underdog has great basketball and hockey games available as well, and there are great baseball contests that will be returning before too long. Plus, we're going to give you some free money to play thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Go to underdog.com slash fantasy or download the underdog fantasy app use the code PressBox, and whatever you download up to $100 we will match that's right up to $100 when you use the code PressBox with underdog fantasy football now ryan we're like i said we're gonna get to it later but donovan solano does that one interest you at all i i, I finished up our stand conversation by asking him that is, is that someone that really excites you at all I mean, it's it's not an exciting name, but it's it would be a great signing, I think. Um, you know, you mentioned that he's averaged about 1.5 WAR per season over the last three seasons. Yeah, roughly. And uh, yeah, I mean, his batting line the last three years, uh, if you if you put it all together cumulatively, 
He's hit 308 in the last three years of the Giants. Yeah, it's uh, not bad. That would have led the Orioles last year. Uh, the last 300 hitter we had in a full season was Hanser Alberto with 305 <laughs> yeah. in 2019. Uh, his his 354 on base percentage that would have been third in the on the Orioles behind Arias and Mullins yeah. last year just by a, a slim margin. Um, and and he he OPSed almost 800 in those three seasons. So. Um, that probably says more about the Orioles than it does about Solano. Just comparing Maybe, him to yeah. where he would where he would yeah. fit on the team in that regard. But I mean, it's it's hard to shrug off a potential signing of a guy who objectively would make the Orioles better. Yeah, I think you would. Um, I, I love the versatile guys personally. Yeah. I, I think those guys are a lot of fun. They bring a lot of value to your team in multiple ways. I want to see Jorge Mateo get a big chance this year. I really believe in Mateo, um, and I think that he. I've said this on the show before, but he's one of those rare guys that has every tool if he just puts it together. He could be a five-tool guy. Uh, I, mean, I, sh- I shouldn't say because the glove is not very good. It's, it's, it's about average, but um, or maybe even below average. But he really does. If he puts it all together, he could be a four-tool guy. Um, you know, he's, he's got light tower power. I mean, he showed it in the minors. He does. He hit like 19 home runs one year, which in the minors is pretty good. I mean, you don't see a lot of guys doing that. So it's he's a guy I'd like to see get a chance. And, of course, you have Arias, and you have Gutierrez, who I'm not a big fan of. Um, where, where do you stand on Gutierrez, by the way? Yeah, he looked good in the. I, I think it was the Mexican league he played in. Yeah, in the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to see him get a shot. I mean, what other options do we have at third base at this point? Not a I lot. Mean, I, Solano, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Gutierrez get a shot. I think I've mentioned on this show before. I'd, I'd like him to not take pitches right down the middle with runners in scoring <laughs> position in the eighth <laughs> inning against be, the Yankees. Yeah. But you know, uh, he, he did that a couple times last year and it bothered me. But um, you know, you mentioned Jorge Mateo and I remember you raving about him a few months ago when I when I guest hosted yeah. with you. Um, yeah, he's he's an exciting uh, talent. Um, Mateo, both him and Jemai Jones were both an organizational number one prospect at one point. So yeah. if one of them can figure it out, and right now it looks like Mateo has more likelihood to get there, then yeah, we're working with something. And so I'd, yeah. I'd definitely like to see if, he, if he's able to stay healthy. I want to see Mateo get a legitimate shot because, you know, you need a spark plug like that. And, and Mateo's got 80 grade speed. Right. And uh, he's a guy you want to be able to find a slot for on your yeah. roster. Legitimately the fastest guy in baseball. Yeah. He, he actually is, like uh, ba- based on the uh, the percentiles put out by uh, Baseball Savant. And he's a guy that, like you said, he's a spark plug. If he's on and he has a great month, he could really help this team. And I'm not, I, I don't really mean by, by winning games necessarily because that's not really the goal right now, but in a few years, if he still has that kind of speed and he puts the power together and the, and the bat together, he could be a solid piece. And I still believe in Mateo. If, if he can have a month where he hits 300 and he's hitting singles, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. he's a guy who can, number one, he turns singles into doubles because he steals a ton of bags. Yeah. But number two, when there's a guy like that on base, it puts a lot of pressure on the pitcher. And it could yeah. put him in a position where he is forced to, you know, leave one out of the heart of the plate because he's too worried about the runner on first, yeah. you know, potentially stealing. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I'd like to see him get a shot because sure. he's the kind of guy that you want to be able to squeeze onto your 26-man roster, and hopefully have a pretty regular role for it. Yeah, and the Orioles' infield is interesting. And, the, and we're, uh, we're, of course, we're going to talk about Correa and Solano more later, but they don't have a lot of options there at the moment. And a lot of these guys are, at best, bridge players. Maybe not even that. I mean, a guy like Shed Long... The potential's there. He's had some good seasons. I guess he had his rookie year was like two. He hit 260, like close he's, to 15 he's, homers. He's never really put it together at the big league level, but he's yeah. torn up the minors. Right, and, and that's. I guess there's something to be said for that. But as you very well know, there there are a lot of guys who tear up the minors that are horrible major league baseball players. I mean, Francisco. Chance Cisco, perfect example. I was waiting for it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chance Cisco is one of them, and. 
you know, Jorge Mateo could be another one. I mean, it, it's just it's possible because the, the league is so different down there than it is up in the big leagues because the gap at AAA and the majors right now is just massive. It's such a big gap, and it, it's only growing, I think, and, and it will continue to grow. And the Orioles have so many guys that are, are basically in the same boat right now that I don't know if I see here in four or five years. It just There's very little chance. Even a guy like Arias, who I've come to like. I actually do think Arias is a pretty decent player. Me too. Uh, do you really see him being here in three years on a championship team? Probably not. Yeah. But I, probably you know, not. For for all the the people who were upset that Ryan Mountcastle didn't get serious consideration for Rookie of the Year last year, mm-hmm. Arias arguably deserved it just as much as Mountcastle. I, I don't disagree. His war was, was pretty high. His um, his war was, I think, better than Mountcastle's. Might have been close. But, um, I mean, he was a, a productive player when he was on the yeah. field and, and given opportunities. And this is not at all to take away from Ryan Mountcastle. Sure. This is this is a praise of Arias. But, you know, is he a guy who's going to be a shortstop on a World Series winning team? Yeah. Probably not. And if he Doubtful. is, if he, if he turns into that, then that's great, obviously. But... You know, I I think he's a, a bridge the gap kind of guy. I'm not, I don't even know how old he is. He's 24, 25. He is 27. 27. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, bridge the gap guy. That the age yeah. tells it all right there. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Um. I, I mean, he did have 1.9 WAR last year, which is 0.9 higher than Mountcastle. But to be fair to Mountcastle, he did. He was like well into the negatives. I think he was almost at negative two by the time May ended because he was just so so horrible uh, yeah. for the first two months. And honestly, it's uh, you know, it, it's. <laughs> it's kind of laughable, I think, when you think about how well his season went. Mountcastle hit 33 home runs at the end of the year, and he was almost at negative two WAR by the end by the time. So WAR is 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 really. I love WAR. I know you're pretty big into it too. Um, at least I think you are. I, I mean, yeah, I I think it's valuable. I think there are certainly flaws in it. You yeah. know, especially you know, just just look at the fact that Baseball Reference and Fangraphs calculate it completely differently. Well, right. I mean, that's that, and that's completely fair. It's um, it's not like OPS where it's a defined number. You right. Know? It's you know different publications put stock into it differently, exactly. and that's fine. Um, but you know, one one thing I said about Mountcastle last year was, um, you know, he, he got off to a really bad start to the season. Yeah. Didn't look like he knew what he was doing at the plate. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this on my own podcast or if it was on here, but I said that. I think it's a it's a good thing for Mountcastle that they're letting him figure it out at the big league level. Oh, 100%. And I, that could have just been because who's, who are you going to bring up to replace him if you want to send him down for a, yeah. a month? But I, I think it was really good for his confidence, and it, it he really followed through, you know, coming out of the season with, you know, 30-some home runs, and, and yeah, he, he really started to put it together. Definitely, definitely. Now, we're going to catch a break, and when we come back, Bob Phelan uh, from On The Verge Podcast will be joining us to talk Orioles prospects, so we're going to get a break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. 
Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mount Castle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. All right, welcome back to the bat around here on this Saturday morning. We have an exciting guest for everyone today. He is the co-host of the On the Verge Orioles podcast that covers a lot about the minor leagues and gives really invaluable information. I mean, it's it, it there's so much stuff these guys put out during the year with it with his two co-hosts and they do really really great work. Bob Feedlin, we have on the line now. Bob, good morning. How are you? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um we also have Ryan Blake here, by the way, as well. Ryan filling in for Paul this week. But, Bob, I want to I want to ask you right off the bat. You you know you know a lot about these minor leaguers. You see a lot of these guys. You you po- you you guys post so many videos. It's great stuff. I mean, your your podcast really does great work. How's that podcast going right now um, during this lockout? Because there isn't a lot of information, a lot of stuff to post at the moment. Yeah, I can't lie. It's definitely been a little bit challenging given the the nature of the major league lockout and all that. But. Luckily, you know, baseball isn't just Major League Baseball, especially, you know, we focus on the minor league. Yeah. There's definitely been some stuff to, to follow. We updated our preseason top 50. We were able to have Kobe Perez come on and talk about the international signing period. Love it. We've had good good guests like Ben Badler, Nathan Ruiz, and Tim Dijon. We had a Rule 5 preview. We had a college baseball preview. So, yeah. Love but yeah, it. I think it would be about time to get the CBA wrapped up so we can have some real stuff to talk about. Yeah, we're feeling the same way over here. It's definitely some some difficulties putting together these shows with, with really no news coming out across baseball, but the minor leagues is starting up very soon um, in a little over a month's time, so we're, we're definitely looking forward to that. Minor league spring training is going on right now, and Bob, you, you, you've probably been watching a lot of these videos online, especially posted by Eric Garfield, a good friend of the show, about you know some of these minor leaguers like Mayo and Rutschman down there, the guys that aren't on the 40-man roster or in this camp right now at minor league spring training. Who do you have your eye on specifically right now? 
first of all, shout out to Eric Garfield. He'll be our guest on, on Monday show of the podcast. Yeah, he told me Great about guy. that. Yeah. Um, I would say right now, I'm I'm curious to see like the guys that ended the year with an injury or like Anthony Stravideo, he got yes. hurt pretty early on, but he was walking like more than anybody in minor league baseball. Guy like Hudson Haskins, Kyle Stowers entered his AFL run uh, very quickly. With a, I think it was a minor injury, but just want to see him out there and healthy. Joey Ortiz was having a really good breakout season before he, he tore his shoulder up. So I want to see him come back fully healthy. And also, I want to see more of these 2021 draft picks. The John Rhodes, Connor Norby, obviously Colton Kowser, Creed Willems, Dunst Williams, etc. Just, I don't know. I feel like you don't really get a, a full picture just from that quick month at the very low minor after they're drafted. After a, an off season of development and working with the Orioles team, I just want to see what they look like if they've added any muscle or anything like that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Kyle Stowers. Um, he's a guy that really broke out last year and looks to be very close to the majors at this point in his career. And he's a guy that is probably going to strike out a lot at the major leagues. What do you make of, of how much he struck out last year and maybe his, his uppercut swing that's going to produce a lot of swing and miss? Yeah, it's funny. Actually, coming into last year, I didn't even have him on my top 30 just because you know the miss 2020 and 2019 after he was drafted. He didn't exactly light the world on fire in short Aberdeen, but and like you said, the strikeouts were a concern for me. But, yeah. I mean, his work with Ryan Fuller and the rest of the hitting coaches was just phenomenal. We talked to Ryan Fuller for the podcast uh, when we were in Bowie, and he talked about how, you know, for elite Stowers in specific, like the strikeouts are not a big concern for them. He's going to have those. But they're working on just his swing decisions and when he does swing, putting his A swing on it. And when he makes contact, it's going to do some damage. And it, it seemed like that certainly worked. Uh, this past season, and he shot up into our top 10. So definitely curious to see if that will still work at the major league level. I'm still a tiny bit concerned, but just the way he hit all of last year at three levels um, definitely washed away a little bit of that. Bob Ryan here. Uh, you mentioned guys who are coming back from injury as, as some of the people you're really looking forward to seeing. Uh, D.L. Hall was obviously the biggest name of that bunch. Um, he was added to the 40-man roster, which means that he is affected by the lockout. The Orioles cannot communicate directly with him. Um, and obviously it sucks as fans that we can't, you know, see his development. How much do you think this lockout is going to impact his return from injury? Yeah, I'm not sure that's a great question because, you know, how ready is he? Would he even be able to fully start spring training if it was starting on time? I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it can help to not be able to communicate with the Orioles, like, training staff, but... I want to say, and maybe this is just the optimist to me, but, you know, it will give him more time to fully recover from that before he starts ramping up, you know, seriously. And maybe it will be uh, some silver lining there as far as getting him fully healthy before he goes out there throwing a competitive game. Yeah, definitely concerned with the O'Hall. I think there's a lot of reliever risk that comes with a guy like that. I, I think he's one of the guys that has the most to prove in, in this upcoming season just because he's been in this organization for almost five years now and he still hasn't made, made his uh, Major League debut. And he's a guy that has been in the top 100 prospect list for years, but he just hasn't really put it all together as far as injuries and command goes. So he's a guy I definitely look out for. But who is a guy who has the most to prove um, you know, coming into this season? Because for me, it's a guy like Yusniel Diaz, acquired a few years ago in the Machado trade, hasn't done anything. You know, He's had some injuries and just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Who is the guy with the most to prove this year? One last note on Hall. I think his sure. stuff, pure stuff, is just – 
right up there with Grayson Rodriguez. If he can sure. stay healthy and pitch five, six innings, he is another top of the rotation type guy. But like you said, you know, just the amount of innings he's been able to throw, and he could have even more value as a Josh Hader type guy on the bullpen. But Yusnel Diaz, I feel like this is his last year. It's like put up or shut up. He's on the 40-man roster, so, you know, eventually there's other outfielders that are behind him, like Zach Watson and, and Kyle Stowers has yet to be added to the 40-man roster, Robert Newstrom. So I think he's got to really start out hot to have any chance uh, to make the major league debut with the Orioles. And a couple other guys I think are in kind of similar boats would be Adam Hall. He's got a little more leeway just because, you know, he's younger. He was in high A last year, but he, he had a really rough season coming out of that pandemic this year. And at one point he was in the teams of our, our rankings and he's barely in our top 50 at this point. Kevin Smith, the guy who dominated last year at double A, but then really struggled with the new baseball and triple A. The control was, was not good whatsoever. He couldn't, he couldn't find a strike zone. So he was added to the 40 man. So to me, that says they're confident they can fix whatever the issue was. But I would say, He's on the edge of needing to prove something. And Ryland Bannon, another guy yeah. like Eugene Diaz, who was added to the 40-man before last season, and he just had an abysmal year. He had an extremely low batting average for balls in play, but at the same time, <laughs> that's not much of an excuse when you're just looking for some results. Yeah, I, I think Bannon, I agree with you. I, I think he's definitely one of the guys that has the most to prove because the Orioles infield, if you look at it, there isn't a lot of talent there right now. There's just not a lot of – it's mostly filler players, and we talked about this about 10 minutes ago on the show, that you have guys like Mateo and you have guys like Arias, and, and they're, they're fine. They're, they're filler players at the moment. But if a guy like Bannon could come up and prove himself, that would definitely, definitely be helpful for them. Yeah, we need that one- or two-year gap before the guys like Gunnar Henderson, Jordan right. Westberg – Etc. start to really, you know, make their mark at the Major League level. Speaking of Westberg, is he a guy that makes his debut this year, you think? You know, I go back and forth on that. I think if he does, it will just be more of like an August-September okay. quick look just to get his, his feet wet before really, you okay. know, diving in in 2023 at the Major League level. But I think if he starts at Double A, it shouldn't be long before he's advanced to Triple A. I would imagine he has a similar trajectory to, like, Adley Rushman last year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, speaking of Adley Rutschman, we, we really can't talk about Orioles prospects without mentioning him. And he's a guy that's poised to make his major league debut very soon, as long as the CBA gets agreed upon and the guys actually start playing baseball. But Rutschman took a lot of steps forward in 2021. Uh, he made it to AAA. He hit almost better in AAA than he did in AA. What more steps forward can Rutschman take to, to further solidify himself as the number one prospect in baseball? I'm not sure there's anything. I mean, let's be honest, he probably could have came up in 2020 and, you know, made a, a, at least a, a decent, yeah. um, you know, showing of himself at the major league level. And to have all 2021 where he just got even better throughout the year. I know yeah. there was at one point Ryan Fuller was working with him on a swing, even though he was still putting up good numbers, he wasn't satisfied. Seems like he's really worked on just getting in much better shape over this off season. And it's just, it seems like he's a monster out there right now in the field. So, I think just just get the CBA signed. He can hopefully, if they get the service time manipulation stuff figured out, he can yeah. start right away in the major league, establish himself as a team leader, just get to know everybody, and then be the cornerstone this franchise needs. But I think it's going to be more about durability. How much do they play him at catcher? How much do they give him some days off at first pace or DH? But he's as ready as he's going to be. 
I, I agree with you. I, I think if you look at what Andrew Vaughn did this year for the White Sox and how he was a guy picked two picks after Rutschman, and he was in that conversation for the number one overall pick. Um, of course, he was not quite as good as, as Bobby Wood Jr. or Adley Rutschman in that, in that draft, but he's a guy that came up and he hit pretty average, I guess you could say, at the major league level this year. I think he hit like 15 home runs, had an OPS of around 700. So pedestrian numbers, really, they're not great. Um, does that worry you at all for, for what Rutschman might do in his, his rookie year? Maybe just a little bit of an, an adaptation before he gets better. Yeah, there's always that possibility. But at least with Adley, I mean, there's the defense. It can slump, but I don't, I don't think it will. He's proven he's just so... He's such a presence behind the plate. He works so well with these pitchers. He seems like like the the little things are gonna are gonna be there no matter if he struggles to start with the bat or not. But yeah, he could definitely start slow with the bat. That's that's always a possibility. Especially it seems like the, the gap between AAA and the majors is a little bit wider than it has been before. But I, I would look for even if he does start slow, I would definitely would not panic. He's he's got the power. He's got the hit tool. He's got it all. So. Don't panic if if he comes up and he's hitting like 250. Jared Jared Kelnick style. I don't know. Yeah, that no. Hopefully not Jared Kelnick style. That would be that would be a disaster <laughs> to start his career. But you do look at a guy like Heston Kerstad, um, a guy that was drafted the year after Rutschman, the number two overall pick of that draft, and still has never played a minor league game. He's coming back from the myocarditis, and he also has a lot to prove, I think. Coming into the season, he's dropped off of most of the top 100s. He doesn't really get a lot of media coverage because nobody really knows what he is at this point. Um, and like Rutschman in the majors, he could have a slow start in the minors. Do you expect Kerstad to come out firing or, or a bit of a slower start? If you follow Eric Garfield, once again, mention him uh, on yeah. Twitter. Kerstad looks good in camp. He's been in all these little mini camps and obviously now the minor league spring training. So, I mean, that's obviously hard to tell if that will translate into games. But I feel like as long as he's fully recovered from that heart issue and, you know, is back to physically where he was when we drafted him, I don't see any reason why he still couldn't hit that ceiling. You know, he's obviously a year or two older now and he's got a catching up to do, but I, I don't see why not he couldn't start in Delmarva to get his feet wet, move up to Aberdeen and finish the year in Double Dewey and yeah. hopefully look to make his major league debut in the second half of 2023. Now we know that the Orioles are going to need to trade for pitching. That's something that they're going to have to start to think about over the next few years. And Kerstad, to me, has always kind of stood out as a guy that could be traded for pitching in the coming years. Is that something you think the Orioles have on the radar at all? I think that is certainly a possibility, especially if he does bounce back and look as good as they expected him to a couple of years ago. And, you know, Cowser's lighting it up and Sowers is yeah. making debut looking good. And it's like getting a little crowded up there and you want to get a more mid to top of the rotation type guy. I think he could certainly be one of the options that could be moved in a package for something like that. Bob, speaking of pitching, there's a couple guys in uh, AAA at the moment who are kind of on the brink of the major leagues who made a little bit of headway last year. Uh, Felix Bautista is an absolute beast of a man. He's listed on Baseball <laughs> Reference, I think at 6'5", 190. He's at least 6'9", 260, and that's, that might be a little conservative. Uh, big stuff out of the bullpen, throws very hard. And uh, the other, Nick Vespi, uh, wipeout slider, uh, lefty, uh, was not added to the 40-man. Bautista was. Uh, but Vespi had a good showing in the Arizona Fall League, uh, racking up strikeouts. But both of these guys uh, seem to struggle with the walks. Um, do you expect either of them to make a significant contribution at the major league level this year? And if so, who is more likely to stick around? Significant is up in the air, but we had Nathan Ruiz on from the Baltimore Sun, and he made a great point. We saw last year, if you are 
on the 40-man roster and you have an arm in your pitcher, you're going to get some time at the major league level on this team, especially right now. And even if you just sign to a minor league deal and you're you're available in AAA, you're going to get your turn. And, you know, they're talking about the Rule 5 draft might get canceled. I think that would be good if you're a Nick Besky fan because he certainly made a case to get picked in that after the Arizona Fall League. He's a lefty with really good stuff, 26 years old, pretty much established as he's going to be. So yeah. I think – yeah, they're definitely going to get some run. If they're both in the organization, obviously Bautista and the 40-man will be. Um, they're going to get some run. I, I like them both a lot as far as their potential to help this bullpen. Bautista, like you said, just a mountain of a man. We had Brian Baker, a guy that the Orioles claimed, another big guy. It seems like Elias has a type when, he, when it comes to the bullpen. But, yeah, I mean, they love these hard-throwing guys, and I think the bullpen will improve the more these young guys come up and and show this stuff. I got asked on this on the show a few weeks ago about who I, I, I liked as the most underrated prospects in the Orioles system. And I mentioned John Pinto and Zach Peek as the two guys that I thought were the most underrated. Is there a guy that you besides those two that you think is the most underrated in the system right now? Well, great picks. I absolutely love both of those guys. I think they'll make some some big headway this year, yeah. uh, in twenty twenty two. But a couple other guys I wrote down. I'm I'm always gonna Gonna shout for Joey Ortiz. I think okay. he would have he would have been like a top ten, fifteen guy. I think next year if he would have stayed healthy and, and maintained the way he was hitting the ball because he's an amazing fielder, major league quality right now. But a couple younger international guys. I'd say Michelle Desone is an outfielder, yeah, in center field yep. right now. Who's going to start the year in Delmarva? He was along with Karen Baber and Tyler Nevin in the Colorado Rockies trade for Michael Gibbons, and that guy has a ton of upside. Just he hit the ball great in the FCL at a young age. He'll be, I think, 19 this season, maybe 20. But super young, super toolsy, super talented. And, you know, it's exciting to see the Orioles finally get these international guys in and watch them develop on the way up. And then on the pitching side, another international guy who they signed, I think, in 2019 or 2020, Raul Rangel. He's a yeah. big, tall, right-handed pitcher who's going to start, I believe, in Delmarva as well. Um, he's like six five, one seventy, something like that, and he's got room to grow. He's already throwing in mid to upper nineties. I think this is could be the Gene Pinto of the season as far as a guy who you're like, whoa, where did this guy come from? And now all of a sudden you're you're watching his box score every day. Yeah, is it Gene or John? I apologize if I said it wrong. I believe it's Gene. Okay, but <laughs> we we've been arguing about that on the show for the past couple of weeks, whether it's Gene or John. But I think it's we we finally figured out it's Gene. But anyway, yeah, I I think Gene Pinto and and Zach Peek are definitely two guys to look out for. I like your point about Rangel and and Desan. I mean, those those are two guys that are really really talented as well. Um, Eric Garfield, I know, is one of the biggest <laughs> proponents of Desan. There yeah. uh, there is out there. He loves that guy. Um, now I, I do want to. Uh, change course a little bit here and talk about the CBA. Um, you're obviously a guy who really likes the minor leagues. You follow that a lot. Um, you're really interested in that. But how much have you been following the CBA, and where do you stand on that? I've definitely been following all the tweets and the, the ups and downs of it all. Um, I just want a deal to get done. I want it yeah. to be fair for the players. Um, I feel like you know the owners are putting their lockout in place, refusing to negotiate for six weeks, yeah. then – negotiate in bad faith like I'm, I'm usually someone that's going to try to find a middle ground or some gray area to just see other perspectives but the owners are making it hard to see it anything other than they're just not in a rush to get baseball games played at the major league level and I definitely would like a resolution sooner than later yeah are you at the point where you don't really care what's in the cba as long as it gets done <laughs> that's definitely what my heart is saying but yeah. at the same time i do i do want to see you know, I don't want to see 14 
16 playoffs. I'd rather see 12. Agreed. There's a couple things that, you know, I ideally would hold out for, but at this point, I, I just want baseball back. No, I'm, I'm totally with you, and I think that hopefully within this month, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see on that for sure. But we did hear another rumor, and, and this is my, my final wrap-up question here for you, uh, about Carlos Correa possibly becoming an Oriole in the, in the future months when this lockout ends. Apparently, according to Raul Ramos, the Orioles offered Correa about 10 years, three, $350 million. Do you believe this at all, and where do you stand on this? I want to believe it. Right. <laughs> How exciting would that be? Right. I mean, it, ma- it makes a little bit of sense. There is some sense to it. Michael Elias obviously drafted Cray and has a relationship with him. Probably a big fan. And, you know, there's not much money on the books right now. So I think the rumor was also the first two years would be front-loaded a little bit. Yep, that was, yep. You know, so maybe they did the Chris Davis contract. I'm trying to, you know, make this make sense, right? So maybe they, they adapted the Chris Davis contract, spread it out a little more, and front-loaded the contract. To kind of jumpstart this rebuild and turn things around, give him an opt-out or two. But at the same time, I feel like it's a pipe dream. I'm not getting my hopes up for it. But, yeah, if it happens, I'll, I'll be stoked for sure. Yeah, sounds good. Well, Bob, thank you so much. And, and can you plug your uh, your Twitter and your podcast for us, please? Yeah, on Twitter, I'm at the Oriole Report. The podcast is at BSL on the Verge. And, and we post all kinds of great clips during the season. And uh, give that a follow. I think you'll enjoy it. And the podcast is... On The Verge, I think if you search BSL On The Verge, you can find it anywhere you get podcasts. And we record live every Monday at 6.30 and then post it to podcasts after. So. Yeah, it's definitely a great podcast, a lot of great information. The Twitter page is one of the best Twitter pages to follow uh, in, in all of minor league baseball. So, Bob, again, thank you very much for coming on. And we'll, we look forward to having you again for sure. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Yeah, you said it. I mean, uh, on the verge is is one of the best follows. I, I'm in the bracket myself. I know there's the the mass and order. Oh yeah, in yeah, that yeah. Bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not in it. I, uh, I got snubbed. There's a there's a follower threshold you need to I'm meet. I'm at like I 860. Think. I think they put it at a thousand this wow, year, really? which is pretty high. Okay. There were a lot of submissions. Wow. Um, but yeah, on the verge is a four seed on the other side of the bracket. I'm yeah. a one seed in the front. And uh, if I get past RDT this year, I think uh. I'm gonna see. I think I'm gonna see Bob and his crew in the finals. I think Ryan. I mean, you're like one of the most infamous Orioles Twitter accounts. It's it's up there. I mean, I, I was. I, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I no, just based okay. on based on <laughs> follower count, I was the the one the runaway one seed um, in the the non media region. You've I got voted for Rakubako and all that. And thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun little tournament. If you're not, you know, if you happen to come across it. Throw me a vote at Orioles fan probs, but uh, shameless plug. Shameless, yeah. No, why not? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to see uh, all these people come together, and um, you know, there's some friendly competition. And they did it last year. I lost the RDT in the finals, but it is what it is. I'm hoping to make a comeback this year, and and hopefully get past them. If we meet, it'll be in the final four. Yeah, so we'll I, I thought Jim Palmer was in the finals last year. I'm wrong. Jim lost to Eric at some point. Oh, did he? Okay. I don't know if it was the Elite Eight of the Final Four. And how far did Cal go in that? Cal got upset. I think by Arditi. Shoot, I don't know. It might have been Arditi. I don't know. I don't think he beat Cal. I think I, I, I think we'd still be hearing about that from him. Yeah, if he beat Cal. <laughs> that's probably true. That's probably true. I I'm don't know. Not sure, I'm not sure Cal was in it. Maybe he wasn't last year. He was pretty new to Twitter. I think coming on last year. I, I know he's in it this year. At least I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, that's definitely an exciting tournament. A lot of a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. I will um, I will say though, if we're if we're talking about um, on the verge and and Bob's podcast, yeah. If it were me versus him in the finals. 
I don't think I could vote for myself. That's, no, but they do really good stuff. They, it's, it's excellent content if you care about the minor leagues at all. There's a lot of people who do podcasts like that, and I mean, me and you have done them before, and, and they're very hard to keep up with as far as like week to week, and like posting content on your Twitter is very difficult to do, and it's 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 very time consuming. And these guys, I mean, there's three of them obviously, but they do they post everything. Like if you wanna if you wanna hear about. Orioles prospects outside of Eric Garfield, that's the other best place to go. Um, Without they, a doubt, they have everything and and live in game highlights and stuff like that. And they they post like throughout the night every single night during the summer, and especially right now with no major league season going on, I think that's where you should you should go to to get a lot of content. So always great to have Bob on. Um, we're gonna catch a break, and when we come back. Uh, we're going to have sounding off with Ryan Blake. Now, I, I don't know what you have prepared for this. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, and then after that, we will have Orioles banter, uh, which we're going to be talking about uh, Carlos Correa a little bit and then Donovan Solano as well, breaking down kind of the free agent market and what's left there. But before we catch our break, sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino hotel and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on every sport with soft-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. And win your share of $10,000 cash by signing up for Live Rewards Cash Drawing April 1st. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective on the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led to them cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. All right, welcome back to the bat around here on this Saturday morning. We're about to get to sounding off with Ryan Blake instead of me. We're turning it over to Ryan Blake this time. Um, not entirely sure what he has to talk about here, uh, but I'm sure whatever it is, it'll be great. And it's brought to you today by Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio. It's the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Maryland basketball legend Lonnie Baxter, the Jewish Jordan himself, Tamir Goodman, and Raul Ramos, the reporter who reportedly offered, who reported the offer from the Orioles to Carlos Correa. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. That was like a tongue twister right there. I'm not sure Ramos has that kind of money. Raul Ramos, the reporter who reported. <laughs> that was a little bit of a tongue twister there from uh, from from the Glenn Clark Radio live read. But Ryan, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, sounding off with Ryan Blake. Yeah, um, I. It's a shame we had to have that break in the middle because you segued perfectly into what I want to talk about right before the break, and it it kind of ties into what we just talked about with with Bob, and that is that we don't know when the Major League Baseball season will begin, but minor league baseball is virtually unaffected by this lockout. And so I urge you all to use this as an opportunity, if you haven't already, to really familiarize yourself with the Orioles farm system. Mm -hmm. Follow BSL on The Verge. Follow Eric Garfield, these people who post all this content. Um, The Orioles farm system is a great one right now. It's top five in the league, if you ask anyone other than Keith Law. Uh, (laughs) And and there will be plenty of excitement to look out for at every level this season. Um, MILB TV is another thing I want to talk about. It's not on sale just yet. Last year it was $39.99 for the full season. That's less than half the price of MLB TV. Um, like MLB TV, every game is archived, so you don't have to watch it live. You can go back and watch games later. If you are at work and Grayson Rodriguez is on the mound at, at Norfolk pitching to Adley and you want to go home and watch it later that night before bed, there you, go. You, can do, you can log on and do that. Uh, but unlike MLB TV, there are no blackouts. So that means you can catch just about every Tides, Bay Sox, uh, Ironbirds, and Shorebirds game on your phone or computer. Um, and yes, MLB still gets that money. I know there's been this discourse the last couple weeks about cancel your MLB TV, don't give the owners your money. Um, MLB TV then came out and said that we're not going to charge people until we get the CBA figured out. The renewal date is going to be pushed back. Um, but yeah, sure, Major League Baseball still gets your money if you pay for MILB.TV. But you get the benefits of being able to watch just about any minor league game you want. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, another thing I touched on with with Bob was that it sucks that we won't yet get to see D.L. Hall's return from injury, uh, the continued development of guys like Kyle Bradish and Taron Vaber, who were added to the 40-man. Uh, obviously, that's a move to protect them from the Rule 5 draft, which may or may not happen at this point. We don't know that yet. Uh, but there are a ton of other names to be excited about. I mentioned Adley and Grayson Rodriguez. They'll be with the AAA Tides. Uh, they'll have an outfield with Robert Newstrom and Kyle Stowers. That's some a lot of power in that outfield. Bowie's infield is going to be stacked with names like Gunnar Henderson, Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg, all getting plenty of playing time. Uh, and we also have a lot of reason to be excited about the professional debut of Heston Kierstad. You know, we talked a little bit about whether or not he's going to be at full form right away. But uh, regardless, uh, it's it's going to be exciting to see him back on the field playing in meaningful baseball games. And I could keep naming names, but we've all seen the top prospect list. We've talked about sure. a bunch of guys already. Um, so to, to round this out, uh, Norfolk's opening day is April 5th. The other three affiliates start their seasons on April 8th. Um, we don't know when the Orioles will be playing next. Uh, so do yourself a favor and watch some minor league baseball, especially with the state of the Orioles farm system right now. Uh, go see them in person if you're able to. I've, I know I've said it before on this show, but the Orioles are, we as Orioles fans are very lucky to have all of our affiliates in close proximity to us. There's not another team where all, all of their minor league affiliates are close. Um, and if you haven't experienced the environment of a minor league game, you're missing out. Uh, the ticket that is farthest from home plate is still very close to the action, and the ticket that's right behind home plate in the front row is probably less than what you're going to pay for an upper reserve seat at Camden Yards. Uh, so while the Major League Baseball lockout sucks, obviously it does not mean that there isn't baseball for you to watch. It just means we need to find a substitute for the time being. And with the state of the Orioles farm, it's the perfect time to get invested in the minor leagues. It's exciting. There's a lot of talent to look out for. And uh, thank you, AJ, for complimenting my mustache. He also said you look like a scout. Uh, so you're getting a lot of compliments over here. All right, I'll, I'll take that. I, <laughs> I, put, I, I will say I've put the scouting aspirations on hold for the time being. Okay. I'm actually back in school at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's my buddy's birthday today, and he likes when I have a mustache. So we're going bowling in a couple hours. So <laughs> I'm rocking nice. the mustache for bowling, and I, I figured why not do it for the show. But I'm, I'm glad I look like a scout. That means I'm doing something right. There you go. Uh, great sounding all second. I love that. I think that's exactly what we need to talk about because – the minor leagues are are so important, especially for the Orioles. If you are an Orioles fan, why why aren't you watching them? Like, why aren't you paying attention? I, I think most people are, but I'm sure there's still that sector of people that don't really know enough about them and and don't really pay attention. Follow these people, like it, yeah. follow Adley Rutschman, follow Kerstad. Like, you if you want to see them progress, go down to the games and watch them. And that's that's the exciting thing about it. And like you said, I mean, even though the streams are kind of low quality um, as far as MLB TV goes, or MILB TV, that's a tough one to say. Um, it's still there. It's baseball. You can watch it. Um, yeah. And I to, to even expand upon your point, college baseball. Watch that too. College baseball is really great. Yeah. Um, I love college baseball. I go to a lot of college baseball games. They're, I, I love college baseball. So College baseball is a blast. It's it is. And minor league baseball is even better. So you know, just watch all that stuff. That's your that can be your uh, what, what passes your time before this lockout ends. And like you said, we might not have baseball till May first. I mean, there's a good possibility. So, and I mean, major league baseball, of course. Right, so, right. Um, you know, this is a perfect time to really learn your your minor leaguers and and start to to realize who these guys are and who they might become. Um, so, great sounding off segment there. Thank you for that. Yeah. Now we're going to transition into Orioles banter, which we have a lot to talk about with this one. Um, a massive story broke this week from Raul Ramos. I've mentioned it a few times already today, but the Orioles apparently offered a 10-year, $350 million contract to Carlos Correa before the lockout started on December 1st. I, I'm going to go off a little bit here. Um, I Raul Ramos may be 
a legit reporter. I don't really know. He was on Glenn Clark Radio this week. Um, he is a, a Baseball Writers of Association America member. I don't think I said that right. Another tongue twister. Ameri- Base- Baseball Writers Association of America. Yeah, I think that's it, right? Is yeah. it? I don't Maybe. Um, America's Association, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> but he is a, a an accredited member of that. So yes. he's, he's a legitimate reporter of the Mets and the Yankees. Um, my question f- of all of this is, and the first uh, the first thing I thought of, and John Shepard, uh, who used to run a few Orioles websites and, and writes a lot about them and has a very good opinion, I think, about a lot of the stuff, he said what I was exactly thinking. Why now? Why is this reported on, I believe it was uh, Monday or Tuesday, instead of in the middle of December when nobody had anything to talk about, right? Like, we, we went without baseball news for virtually two months before they started meeting in early February or late January. We had nothing to talk about. Why now is it coming out, and by a guy that really doesn't cover the Orioles, why now is it coming out that Carlos Correa had a $350 million offer from the Orioles. That would have been a huge, massive story for Jeff Passan to talk about in, in December. And Jeff Passan, believe me, a guy like that is as plugged in as anyone is. I, I Now, Raul Ramos is a guy that I think he covers some of like the, the Latino um, areas down there in Dominican Republic and, and a lot of those areas. That, and he's maybe a little more plugged in with those agents that are working down there and, and with a lot of those guys. And that's definitely a fair argument as to this being true. I think that's fair um, because he does know a, probably a lot of those guys and because that's what he writes about. Um, but it, it, Jeff Passan is as plugged in as anybody in the world. Ken Rosenthal, John Heyman, all of these big, massive national reporters – probably would have heard about this or in the past we confirmed it if this was to be true now dan Connolly, uh who we've had on the show many times from the athletic he's the orioles beat writer basically kind of i don't want to say he like dispelled the rumor but he basically said i wouldn't hold your breath that's paraphrasing it um it's he's heard from no one that this is a possibility to be true i personally do not believe it i do not see the orioles giving out this kind of money and that's basically what dan Connolly said ryan where do you stand on this I want to believe it so badly. I do uh, too. But yeah, I mean, look, you can argue that that Raul Ramos. Well, that is a tongue twister. Uh, it is. It's my first time saying Raul. It <laughs> Ra- Raul Ramos. Yeah. Uh, Rio Ruiz. Uh, R- I, I Rio Ruiz. I don't. <laughs> I don't doubt that he has his connections down there in Puerto Rico, where I believe Correa. I'm still sure is. he does. I don't know if he's yeah. back on back stateside for now, but I know he was down there during the off season. Uh, yeah, like you said, he's. I'm sure he's connected with the agents down there. Sure. Um, but you know. I'm kind of going to paraphrase what you already said. If this was true, why was it not reported until now? Right. And why has nobody confirmed it? And why has... Exactly. We haven't heard it from anybody else. Right. Um, you know, you mentioned Connolly kind of saying, don't hold your breath. It's... There's something fishy about it. You know, I mentioned when we had Stan on the line that it's the same website that reported a couple years ago that Luis Castillo was being traded to the Yankees. Yeah. Obviously, that did not happen. I don't know if there have been any other reports that have ended up being true or false coming from them. So I don't know whether or not to believe this rumor. I don't doubt for a second that the Orioles are very interested in him. Because everyone is. Everyone is. And yeah. everyone should be. <laughs> yeah. But $350 million is a lot of money. A lot of money. Stan mentioned Correa does have an injury history. He's he's been put on the disabled list a couple times, bothered by his lower back. Mm-hmm. All right, there's there are certain things to be concerned about. Now, I I disagree with Stan when he said I'm I'm not very interested. I'm very interested. I would love to have Carlos Correa on the Orioles. We need a an everyday shortstop, and Carlos Correa is one of the best in the league. Yeah. Now, uh, on another note, 
I don't care anymore about the Astros cheating scandal. I don't either. I don't care. No. I it took me like I was mad at them for like a year. I, before the playoffs this past season, I tweeted out a tier list of my rooting interests, and I had uh, the Astros at seven, and then Apocalypse, and then eight. <laughs> I think was the I don't know the Red Sox or the Yankees. Yeah, sure. And someone was like Apocalypse before uh, after Astros. I was like, yeah, dude, it was four years Who ago. Who cares? Plus. They knocked the Yankees out of the playoffs. Right. Regardless of whether or not they cheated, that's a service to America. Yeah, <laughs> very, I'm, very much so. You know. So look, I don't care. Sure, he was kind of shady about it, but I didn't look, love his response. But who cares at this point? I not listen, me. I guarantee anybody listening to this show, anybody who is a fan of sports, one of your favorite athletes is a bad person, and you just don't know it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Look, I I get it. I get if it's out there, you don't want to support a guy, but. Cheating's been part of baseball for years. Right. The Astros just took it a little too far and got caught. Right. He was shady about it. He lied a little bit. It was four years ago. I don't care. He's one of the I'm best shortstops in baseball. Right. And if the Orioles are willing to throw that kind of money at him to put him at the at shortstop for the Orioles for the next decade, great. Yeah. I think it's important to keep in mind the context here of a few things. First of all, the context of what the Orioles have done in the past few years. They gave out no more than $5 million in major league contracts last year. They've given out so far this year around seven seven and a half million uh, to Jordan Lyles and Rugnetto Door. And to your to your Lyles point, I believe he's the first multi year deal he that was. Elias has given out at the he major was. league level. Right. So someone tell me why they're gonna jump from seven million dollar deal as their highest to three hundred and fifty million dollars. That's astronomical difference. Now you could say, oh, well, the Orioles finally found a free agent that they that they felt was worth investing in. And sure, we love Carlos Correa, right? Everyone loves Carlos Correa. He's one of the best players. Well, not, not everyone, clearly. Uh, but he's he's one of the best players in baseball. He'd be seven-war player this year. He's a guy that does everything yeah. well. He's a true five-tool player. And he's a guy that everyone should have interest in. The Yankees have interest in him. The Dodgers have interest in him. The Do- I mean, the Dodgers don't even need a shortstop. Guess what? I bet you they, they're, they're going to make an offer or at least try. Yeah. Everyone. Everyone wants Carlos Correa because he is one of the top players in baseball. It's like Mike Trout. Same thing. Everyone wants Mike Trout. There's a big difference, though, between interest and actually making an offer as well. And I'm sure the Orioles, Michael Ash drafted him. Of course he's going to have interest. He knows Carlos Correa probably very well. They probably talk all the time. It would be my guess before this lockout, of course. Um, I can't see. I can't see in any circumstance that the Orioles would have made an offer at three hundred fifty million dollars at this point. They, I, I think, if the Orioles were to make a three hundred fifty million dollar offer, it would be when they are truly ready to compete, which it just isn't yet. They haven't shown by any means that they're ready to compete because the talent simply isn't there at this point. And maybe when that talent gets there in two or three years, yeah, I could see Angelos or the, the Angelos uh, brothers giving out $350 million. It's possible. I mean, you're going to have to pay to win. I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, truth behind that when you look at how previous teams have won. I mean, playing Moneyball is, is not, hasn't been exactly effective in the past few years. I mean, the, the Rays tried to play Moneyball, and they lost the World Series for it. Um, well, they made the World they Series. They made the World Series, at I least. I get your point. They still didn't win, though. Yeah. Um, and you, you really don't. Yeah, you see a lot of teams who, who really take this money ball approach winning World Series. It just doesn't happen. I mean, that's why the Red yeah. Sox win so often and the Dodgers are in it three of the past or three of, of four years for a stretch there. I mean, if you pay a lot of money and you have a high payroll, you're going to win games. That's simply how it is. Yeah. So I can see the Orioles making this investment at some point down the line. I just find it highly unlikely they made an offer right now of $350 million. I just do not see it. I'm sorry. 
That's a massive amount of money. But to play devil's advocate, just in terms okay. of this situation itself, Carlos Correa was drafted by the Astros when they were in the basement of baseball. They were in a very similar position that the Orioles were in. Correct. Maybe not right now, but a year or two ago. Yeah. That's when Correa was drafted. And then Elias went under slot to take him at number one overall because he loved the guy. Yeah. And Correa has won a World Series with Houston. He has been part of that rebuild, and he has made it all the way to the top. If he and Elias still keep in touch like like you think they do, which they very well might, then what's to stop Elias from saying, hey, man, we want you to be a part of that again over here. We want you to help lead the Orioles to the top the same way you did with the Astros. And it might be rough for the first couple years, but we want you to be the centerpiece of that. And so in that sense, it's believable that the Orioles would reach out to a guy like Correa Mm -hmm. and try to get him to come to the Orioles. Now, I completely agree, however, that it doesn't make sense right now for the Orioles to dish out a $350 million contract. It's something that I could see a year or two down the road once we're maybe on the brink of being a 500-ball club and we need someone to get us over the hump. It doesn't make a ton of sense now. I'm not sure how believable it is. But if it is true, and I hope it is true... Sure, I I hope so too. (laughs) Then then I will be elated and I will happily wear his jersey. I will buy his jersey. I will wear it to the yard. Yeah. I will still give John Angelos and Major League Baseball my money because I'm a sucker and I can't quit baseball no matter how much they try to make me quit baseball. Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Let's have some fun. Bring in Carlos Correa. Look, if it is true, and and Raul Ramos, I mean, I just want to say on his point, I'm not trying to discredit his work or anything. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, there are rumors that come out all the time. I mean, people hear things. That's the way this this business is. He could absolutely have heard this. Now, maybe the person told him wasn't telling the truth. You don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things that people hear stuff all the time. Rumors are very prevalent in the sport because... It's a time where, especially right now, because nothing else is happening, and I'm sure that a rumor like this is is bound to come, uh, you know, come out once in a while. It, it it happens. This stuff happens. But I I I just can't see it, and I would love it. I mean, obviously, I mean, as someone who who likes the Orioles, it's of course going to be an incredibly exciting thing to see a guy like Carlos Correa. That's probably one of the the top five best players you've ever acquired in franchise history um, that's coming to the Orioles outside of guys like you know Cal Ripken and Frank Robinson but it's just it would be game changing this would take this team to a whole new level now my other thing about this and the, the only thing I haven't mentioned yet on my stance here is that if you look at what the Astros did up until Elias left in like 2018 or so um, and obviously Elias wasn't running the show, it was Jeff Lunau, but if you look at what they did, the, the longest free agent contract they ever gave out was four years, $50 million to Josh Reddick. Yeah. And that's, you see, that's an approach where you're still spending money, but you're not giving out these massive mega deals that six years down the road, the guy you signed to a 10-year contract is going to become a, a bad player and, a, and an unuseful guy. Um, this is generally... When you give out a 10-year contract, they're not very good. They generally start to tail off in the end of that, and guys become basically irrelevant by the end of those contracts. I mean, Manny Machado, I hate to break it to you guys, but by the time he's in his mid-30s, the guy probably won't be what he is now. It's just as simple as that. He may not even be playing third base by then. Who knows? And these massive mega deals are just generally not that effective. So for the Orioles, if they're if they are following the Astros model and what they did with Josh Reddick and giving him four years, fifty million as that longest contract. And I, I think there's reason to believe they may be following that model in some respects. Then why are we believing that they're giving out a 10-year offer? That's, I mean, 10 years is a long time. Correa, he's what, 27, 26? 
Uh, tw- yeah, I think this is his age twenty seven season. Right. Uh, yeah, he's twenty. He's twenty seven. He, was, he yeah. was drafted at eight. I believe he was eighteen or nineteen. I want. Yeah, drafted. I would say eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So my point on this is, is that in ten years, Carlos Correa is going to be thirty seven years old, and the chances are that he won't be playing shortstop by that time, and his bat will have regressed very, very heavily. And I and think if he's th- got a bad back at twenty seven. He right. might have a bad back at by 33. He, it could Great be shot. point. Great point. The injuries are something I haven't even touched on, and that's another thing. Ten years for a guy that, that gets injured as much as Carlos Correa? I mean, the Orioles, I'm sure they want to jumpstart this rebuild. Maybe they say, in, you know, internally, let's sign him for ten years, we'll trade him in five. Um, but if you look at recent history, uh, Albert Pujols was not a very tradable guy in the middle of his contract. Because he just didn't come out. I mean, he was a what, twelve year contract, ten years? I think so. Yeah. So with the Angels, and he was pretty bad for a good number of them. Yeah. Uh, now to your point of the the ten year, five year thing, uh, I believe I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure this is accurate, but I believe Manny Machado has an opt out with the Padres after five he years. He does. Yeah. Which would be following the 2023 season. Yeah. If this Correa rumor is not true. And the Orioles are in a position to try to compete and spend <laughs> money in the offseason following 2023. Mm-hmm. Manny, if you're watching, come home, baby. Yeah, yeah. We love Manny Machado in Baltimore. Definitely. Big Machado guy. Yeah, I, I think everyone is here. Um, Paul and I were, were campaigning for him to win MVP in, in, after the 2020 season. We, we definitely wanted that. I traded for him in the show just because I wanted him back on the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the guy. And, uh, but arguably, Carlos Correa is a... <sighs> lot better player than Manny Machado is at this point. Um, as much as I love Machado, Carlos Correa is just simply better in, in most respects. In most respects, yeah, I, yeah. Maybe not defensively. Overall, yeah, it's close. I mean, Correa's got a glove too, though. He does. He, he, he won does. a platinum, didn't he? He, uh, he probably did, I think yeah, he but, did. Uh, I don't know when it was, but yeah, I'm pretty he, he sure did, he did. He did win one. Yeah, you're right. Um, and he won, a, he won a gold glove this year in 2021. He, yeah. he hit 26 home runs and had an 850 OPS this year, but he put up 7.2 war. The guy is legitimately amazing. Um, yeah. And if you look at Manny Machado, he had 2.2 more war uh, than Machado did this year. Machado put up 5 war, which is extremely respectable. Yeah. Um, both great players. I'd rather have Correa on my team, even though I like Machado more. Yeah. Um, it just that's the way it goes. And if the Orioles had the chance to get Carlos Correa, go get him. If this is true, great job, Orioles. You know, this you did what everyone wanted you to do. You got your franchise piece to build around Adley Rutschman. But another piece of this is you're giving out 350 million. You know that the pitching in the farm system is relatively weak, and you're giving a large financial commitment to a guy that you have a lot of in the minors with Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson. How does this factor in to what they can do pitching-wise in free agency and trades down the road? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think it could handcuff them. Um, you know, we don't we don't know what the CBT is going to look like. We don't know what the minimum salary is going to yeah. look like. You know what I mean? The minimum salary for a team sure. will look like in a couple years. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the Orioles have, you know, when push comes to shove, you have to figure out, are we going to be spending this money on pitching or on hitting? And the Orioles have drafted a ton of great hitters. They don't have the same kind of depth pitching-wise that yeah. they do uh, on the offensive side. And, you know, maybe you can argue that the Orioles should pass on Correa because Gunnar Henderson and Kobe Mayo are going to be coming up on the, on the left side of the infield. None of those, neither of those guys are a sure thing. Well, I was going to say, I, I don't like that argument I don't at either. All. I, I'm, just, I'm just bringing it up as a, yeah. you know, to make the point that, you know, independent of what exactly your team needs are, Go get the best guys you can get. Yeah, I agree. And if if that means sacrificing a little bit on the pitching front, I mean, Orioles pitching development, I think, has done an outstanding job the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah. Since they brought on Matt Blood and the rest of the player development staff, I think they've done an excellent job. 
whether or not you want to reallocate some of those resources that you might give to a guy like Correa to maybe a, a number three starter, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to make that decision down the road because once it's time to start spending money, that's when you have to figure out what are our current needs. But exactly. the Orioles are not in a position right now to give out money based on what they need. They're in right. a position to give out money based on will this give us wins. Yeah, and Carlos Correa will. I yeah. mean, there's there's no there's no uh, question about that. He's a, yeah. he's a guy that is worth was worth seven point two last year. So he's a guy that will help you out drastically. Uh, but my my concern is that you give three hundred fifty million, you won't have a lot of money uh, to allocate elsewhere. But then again, the Angelos's are very rich people, and I probably shouldn't say that they aren't um, because that, that I'm making it sound like they're not, and they are very rich people. <laughs> they have so, a ton of money, right? And, and, and it's fair to say. And the, another argument to this is that well, the Orioles have only given out one hundred sixty million as their biggest contract, and that's true. And maybe the Angelos's feel a little bit scarred by the Chris Davis deal that they didn't get anywhere close to what they wanted out of that, and. I don't think it's really fair to compare Carlos Correa to Chris Davis. Correa has a long track history, track record of being an incredible player. Where Davis really had one or two years that he was really worth that money. Yeah, and he was he was one or two dimensional too. He was a yeah. he was a home run guy. He played solid, not excellent first base. Yeah. Uh, and he hit for average. I think he hit like 283, 286 one year. Yeah, two eighty six and thirteen. But I he think. was a homer's guy, yeah. which is exciting. And I think at the time you could argue that he was worth the contract. Obviously, it came back to to bite us yeah. significantly. But he was a guy that the Angelos, that, that Peter Angelos really wanted to keep in Baltimore. He outbid himself in order to keep him around. I think the first offer was seven years, hundred fifty five. Mm. He hadn't even declined it, and then he was like, <laughs> "All right, we'll up it to to one sixty two. And no other. T- I think there was a rumor that the Cardinals might be interested, but there were no other offers on I the table. That. Peter Angelos outbid himself to keep Chris Davis around. But like you said, Correa has a much better track record of being a more well-rounded, valuable player than what we saw in Chris Davis. Exactly. And the only thing, the only thing keeping me from saying, yeah, this is a great idea to offer him ten years, three hundred fifty yeah. mil, is the injury risk, because he's a guy exactly. who has already had injuries throughout his career, and he's going to need to stay healthy to prove that he's worth that money. Someone's going to give it to him. I don't think it's going to be the Orioles, but as we've said before. I would love to see it if it were true. Yeah, let's just hope that this is uh, this is true. I mean, it'd be great. It'd be great. Uh, moving on from Correa, though, um, I, we already talked about it a little bit before, but Donovan Solano, um, a guy that relatively versatile, hits for contact, gets on base a little bit, not a really exciting name, but could add a little bit. Um, the rumors are true on this one. We have pretty much a, a verified source coming out with this. This was MLB Trade Rumors who released this, and they are – a, a reputable source who reports a lot of this stuff. Um, where are you on this besides what you've already said? Is this really someone maybe plays third base and starts for the Orioles, or is he a guy that is more of a utility guy for them? I think he'd be a guy who fits into an everyday role. I don't know if that would be at second base or third base or shortstop. He's got significant experience playing all three of those positions. But, okay. yeah. you know, I, I honestly, I don't have much other than what I've already said. I mean, he's... Yeah. His batting numbers, his slash line would put him near the top of the Orioles lineup the last yeah. few years. And, you know, he's not an exciting name, but he would objectively make the Orioles offense better. Yes. And so it's hard to say, no, I don't think they should sign him. Look, he's going into his age 34 season. Yeah. So he's not young. He would be a stopgap, bridge the gap guy until someone like Henderson or Mayo comes up. I'll be honest. I thought he was a lot younger. I had no idea this guy was 34. 
it's well, that's because he's he's been around a while and he wasn't any good until he ended up with the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, not to take away from him, he was fine, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not an exciting possibility. It's not. It, we're not talking about Carlos Correa here. No, but we're talking about a guy who could come in. Help guide the younger infielders. He could help Ramona Rios out significantly. Yeah. He could help out a, a Jemai Jones, even a Jorge Mateo. Yep. A Kelvin Gutierrez, but he's not going to be on not the a next, game changer. No, he's not going to be on the next no. Orioles competitor. And it was, it was funny. I, I pulled up the tweet um, when I saw this, and I just started laughing. And I was like, "Yep, there it is. That's an Orioles rumor, I'll believe." Yeah. I was like, Donovan Solano. Yep. Definitely. That, that, I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. right on the money. That's very on brand. Right. That's ve- And that's what you expect. That's yes. what you expect from this team at this point. Donovan Solano, yup. Carlos Correa, probably not. But you never know. We're just going to put that out there. You never know. We'll probably look like absolute fools when the Orioles sign Carlos Correa in, in, a, <laughs> in a month when this, this lockout ends. And Correa will be starting on opening day at shortstop for the Orioles. Who knows? It may happen. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there that I'm not with it. Uh, Donovan Solano, very believable. Now, Ryan, we're going to catch a break. When we come back, I have some Orioles, or not really Orioles trivia for you. It kind of it comes back to the Orioles a little bit um, because of the leader in this category, but we have a little trivia. Uh, Paul and I go back and forth with that every week. I'm not sure he did it when you were here last time. He did. Okay. Yeah. So we, we, we have some trivia when we come back, but we're going to catch our final break now. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. 
Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Former Glenn Clark Radio Music. We love it. Ryan's vibe into it over there. It, it's great music. It really is great music. It really is great. We, we talk about it every show, but it, it has to be talked about. It has to be said. It's great music. I'll leave it on here a little bit more. But we do have uh, a trivia question uh, that will finish out our show here. And I, I believe I asked this to to uh, Glenn Clark at one point when I was on his show, but we haven't done this on this show. So I'm a little bit interested to see if you know this. Um, I'm nervous. You shouldn't be nervous. Uh, we, we've Paul and I have asked some very, very, very difficult ones that we've been stumped on before. So I, it's I did okay when I when when Paul asked me uh, a month ago. I think it was like the seven Orioles who've hit forty homers. I did pretty well with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, my my question for you here today is: Cal Ripken is the leader in all time consecutive games played at twenty uh, six thirty two. Can you name any of the guys, the five guys behind him? Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig. There we go. Yeah, that's that's the easy one. That's a given one. At twenty one thirty. This one I'm pretty sure of. Miguel Tejada. You're right. He is number five on on the list of all time. Uh, one thousand one hundred fifty two games played from two thousand to two thousand seven. It's kind of crazy that Miguel Tejada did that so recently. Yeah, I don't know why I remember that. Um, all right, so there's three others, and they're between Gehrig and Tejada. So I'm actually going to give you one because I don't know if you know who this guy is, but Everett Scott. Do you know Everett Scott? <laughs> I've never all right, heard then of Everett. Scott. But the other two, you you definitely know who they are. Oh gosh! All right. Um, <laughs> like, am I allowed to ask for hints? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, are either of them? Uh, did either of them play for the Orioles at any point in their career? Uh, I don't believe. No. No. Okay. No. Um. So obviously, we're talking about hitters here. Uh, are, are we correct? Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like there was a big deal made of Tejada. So I, my my yes. next my next question is: these other two are older players. Uh they they both played from around the '60s to '80s area. Okay, but Shoot, they're man, they're, I, they're both famous players. So you definitely know who they are. Um, they're I, I don't believe either are Hall of Famers, but they are, are excellent, excellent like Hall of very good players, guys. Oh man. Um, my, can I can I phone my dad? <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to ask no. for a hit, uh, dude. I don't. I was gonna this say this tough like, one. This tough one. I was gonna say like George Brett, but I, like that's a good guess. George Brett is not on here. I at least in the uh, in the top thirty, he's not here. See, that like their names, I'm definitely gonna know. I just I'm not familiar with the longevity. Fair enough. Of yeah. Fair players. enough. Fair enough. Um, I can give you some teams if that helps. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll take so that. all right, I'll give you one team so far. Uh, the Dodgers. I associate Kirk Gibson with being injured, so I don't think it's him. Yeah, not Kirk Gibson, no. Shoot, man. I made it a little too tough, I think. Oh. All right. Um, infield or outfield? 
Uh, they're both outfielders. They're both outfielders. Dodgers. Yeah. Actually, sorry. Wait. I'm wrong. One of them was a uh, was a, f- a first baseman. Actually, I thought he was an outfielder, but apparently he's a first baseman. Don Mattingly? No. I know he's not the Dodger, but shoot, man! I, like I'm trying to picture. <laughs> I have so many baseball cards from this for sure, era. For sure, for sure. I'm trying to like picture. And, and again, faces. You, you definitely know who these guys are for sure. Like yeah. I'm not saying like this is some Everett Scott out here <laughs> who played yeah, 1915. No, that, I would have been completely lost. On Everett that one. Scott from uh, 1916 to 1925 with his 1,307 games played. Keith Hernandez was a catcher. Yeah, I I could have sworn this guy was an outfielder. Maybe I Wait, I'm Keith just Keith Hernandez didn't play on the Dodgers. He was a Met. What I think he I played on the Dodgers at one point. Okay. Yeah, like later in his career, maybe at the end. Okay. Shoot, man. All right, give me. Uh... I'll give you another team. Okay. Uh Padres. This is all for that one player. Dodgers and Padres. Yeah. He played on them both. Yeah. Gosh, man, you're narrowing this down, and I'm. I have, <laughs> I have no. I'm not. I'm not even close. Uh, it's either going to pop into my head out of nowhere or it's not. Uh, all right. Padres and Dodgers. Yeah. If it helps at all, um, they're both alive. <laughs> if that helps at all. Um, they're both around the same age, I, I think, roughly. Shoot, man. Actually, we I didn't even realize this. One of them is a Hall of Famer. I need to get up on my Hall of Famers. Okay. That might help. Is, is the same one that's no. This Dodgers this Padres? is not oh that one. Gosh. At least I don't believe so. Let me again. Let me check. Apparently, I don't know my Hall of Famers very well. That's all right. I, I'm not. I'm not great at that either. Yeah. No. The, one of them. The the Dodger and Padre guy is not a Hall of Famer. Okay. I, like there's there's so many like I said I said earlier I'm picturing like baseball cards of these guys for sure. And when you said Dodgers, I started picturing Jose Offerman, and I no. don't know why. And now I can't get no. He was like a like a nineties two thousands player. Oh, was and it? I just okay. I yeah. can't get his baseball card out of my <laughs> head. Oh man, uh, shoot! Am I allowed to ask for initials? Or have we gotten far enough it's into fine. this that you know I'm I not gonna it, get it it's, right? It's really hard. Like I I probably would not have gotten this. Um, but SG. Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey. There you uh, go. From ni- my dad will be proud of that. But <laughs> I, yeah. 1975 to 1983. And the other one we have, uh, who is the last player on this list, um, was from 1963 to 1970 uh, and played for the Cubs and the Athletics and is a Hall of Famer. Don't give me a name yet. Six, er, initials yet. Uh, okay. 63 to 70? 63 to 70. Definitely a guy that I'll say this too. He's a very common first na- name and last name. Like it's very common. Um, lots of guys have been named somewhat close to this. <laughs> it's very common. Oh man, Cubs and A's. You said Cubs and A's. Oakland A's. Yeah. And uh, played one thousand one hundred and seventeen consecutive games. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. He was inducted in. If this helps at all, he was inducted in nineteen eighty seven. Which I really never knew. I was at the Hall of Fame this summer too, and I I don't remember seeing this guy at all mentioned in here. Um, like he's it, it, not to the level of like Babe Ruth or something where just everyone knows who who he is. But you yeah. definitely do. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna be mad when I when I don't. Know. <laughs> all right, I don't want his full initials. Okay. What's the what's the first first initial of his last name? W. <laughs> Shoot. I made this way too hard. Paul's gonna if Paul hears this, he's gonna yell like at me for making Williams, this too hard. Williams Walker, you, uh, you you just said it. Williams, yeah. 
Matt? No. Not Matt. Not, not a Matt. Dude, oh, my gosh. It's a common name, though. It's a common name. Yeah. Will, uh, shoot, man. Cubs and A's. I'm sorry to the viewers that I'm taking so long. For <laughs> We're just dropping viewers. Dude, at the, like, I definitely kidding. know. Like, you said it's a name I'm going to know. I'm definitely going to know yeah, the name. You know I knew the is. name Steve Gar. As soon as you said SG, I was like, oh, yeah. Steve Garvey. You definitely know who he is. Oh, gosh. Will. Why can't I think of a Hall of Famer whose last name is Williams who played <laughs> in the 60s? I always get him mixed up with with a Yankee player. I'll just say that, if that helps at all. He was in, like, the 90s. Um, Are you thinking of Bernie Williams, the Yankees that uh, yeah. you mixed up with? Yeah. He makes you think of Bernie Williams. Because they have similar first names, in a way. Billy? Billy Williams. Billy Williams. Billy Williams. Uh, 1,117 games. I made that way too hard. Dude, I, that, I, was if, <laughs> that was that was difficult. But look, I, if, if my dad was sitting here, he would have been five for five. Yeah. He, yeah oh, I, no, he wouldn't. He would not have gotten Miguel Tejada. He would have gotten the other one. What have you gotten, Everett Scott? I'm not sure. You never know. I'm I don't. Not sure. know. Everett Scott, by the way, I'll, I'll give him his due credit. He uh, he played for the uh, 12 seasons. Wow. Uh, Red Sox, Yankees, Senators, White Sox, and Reds. So well, well traveled guy. Played a lot of consecutive games. If he um, was a regular for the Yankees, my dad would probably know him. From 22 to 25. So oh, 1922. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, like my dad would not have gotten Everett Scott. Like the Babe Ruth era. So yeah, okay. he's he's a while back. I still um, have my head on 60s. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, Scott wasn't there. Um, some of the other guys on this list, by the way, Joe Sewell, Stan Musial, Eddie Yost, and Gus Sir were the were the others in that top 10. Um, Nelly Fox, Pete Rose, some other guys, and like you said, I think uh that that uh, Whit Merrifield's getting up there. At some he's point. creeping toward a thousand. I think he still has to another like full season to go. Is he really? He a, uh, wow, that's amazing. He's, that's, at, he's at at least. I thought he was like eight hundred something. That's, yeah. that's amazing. That really is in this day and age, and, and the way that uh, analytics is forming lineups and everything. It's it's definitely crazy. Now we just want to remind you that the show is brought to you by today, uh, myhelpgambling.org. Uh, um, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling for free and confidential services. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Show is also sponsored by Toyota. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Thank you, Ryan. Um, great show today. Thank you so much for for stepping in, and and we, it's always a great show when you come on. So uh, appreciative of your help, of course. Um, and Paul Valley will be back next week, and um, hopefully we have a, a, a lockout uh, is gone, and we have a new deal to talk about. That would be fantastic, but that's unlikely. And maybe yeah. Carlos Correa will sign with the Orioles uh, on on Friday afternoon. So we have something to talk about on Saturday. Yeah, you I, never I know. Hope so. But yeah, I'm I'm always humbled that you guys think of me to uh, to come on when one of you needs uh, some relief. So uh, I I appreciate it very much. I'm I'm always happy to do it. And uh, it's this is this is making me want to get back into the podcasting game because I, yeah, I I, I kind of just stopped doing it in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, no particular reason. There are so many other. It's hard to keep up with. There are so many other. And I was doing it by myself too. Yeah, like I was yeah. I I would do the whole thing and I would email it to Derek and he'd post it. Yeah. Um. But there are so many. You know. Bob Phelan and those guys, Nick Stevens, on the verge. Yeah, uh, they do a fantastic job. Connor Newcomb with Locked On Orioles, oh. great. I mean, there Con- are so many people who are so much better at podcasting than me that I was kind of just like, all right, I'm gonna let them do it for a little bit. Uh, let's see who we got on the phone here. If you if you want to keep talking, let's find out. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot of. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's a- What's up, Paul? I just dropped the phone. Uh, 
we got Paul on the line, and Zach dropped the phone, a little flustered. Uh, I think I think he's gonna bring Paul on. Hey, Paul, was that trivia too hard? I didn't hear what the trivia question was. It was really bad. It was. It was. I. I, I had him uh, name the the five guys behind Cal Ripken for consecutive games played streak. It was really tough. We had uh, the five guys currently. No, 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 no. Like all time. All time. I know. My, Miguel Tejada got up over a thousand. He did. You're right. Uh, Tejada was Tejada was like third or fourth on that list, and they yeah. Steve Garvey was on the list, uh, and then we had uh, Billy Williams as well. So some some decent. Lou Gehrig, obviously. Of course, Lou Gehrig. What was the other one? Everett Scott. Yeah, Ever, Everett Scott. 1920s yeah. guy. I know Whit Merrifield had had like 400 consecutive games or something like that, and that was the tops in the majors by a good bit. Yeah, that he, was a couple of years ago, though. He's still going. He's up to about 800. But um, oh, yeah, is he really? He is. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, crazy. I, I got Tahada. I got Garrig, obviously, but uh, I needed some help with with Billy Williams and Steve Garvey, and then yeah, that's that's a tough trivia question. Uh, yeah. Zach is a uh, Zach's <laughs> pretty good at giving some zingers in there, man. I, I, I love the tough ones. Um, I, I'm gonna blame, by the way, dropping the phone on the sprained thumb I got over here. I'm just gonna blame it on that. I, I how'd you sprain I, your thumb? Were you bowling again? <laughs> he, well, Brian's I'm about bowl, to go bowling. Funny I'm enough, going to a bowling alley almost straight from here. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was playing basketball on Tuesday night, and uh, yeah, it didn't 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 go well so nothing uh, good comes from ba- from playing basketball all of my serious injuries <laughs> have always been from playing basketball how'd you play today at the baseball game paul um so we we got it handed to us in that game we actually finished pretty early that's why i was able to call in okay. sorry if it's a little windy i'm in florida and it's windy in florida <laughs> um we we lost eight nothing we faced a tough pitcher i made some good defensive plays i went over two okay. i still haven't swung and missed yet in the tournament so that's good nice but uh got we got, we got yeah, uh, tony Gwynn over here yeah. What's that? I said you, you're like Tony Gwynn. Uh, I don't know, man. Just, I, <laughs> I don't have I don't have any hits either, man. I've, I've squared a few up, but just hit them right at people or just got under him. You know, it's been a it's yeah. been a tough tournament. We're two and two. We started two and zero, oh, and then we faced the guy who pitched in the Dominican Pro League last year wow. in Game Three, and then we faced a tough and they back to back lefties who pitched complete games against us. We faced another tough lefty uh, in the first game today, and through probably low to mid 80s but had a lot of uh good secondary pitches just he he, he took us to the, to the cleaners today yeah well uh i heard you pitch well yesterday six innings to earn so hey that's yeah that's i got, some, got player of the game yesterday something I, to be proud I, of i can't complain about that there yeah. you go there you go so um, um what was what was all the uh carlos correa talk about I mean, I think Ryan and I are on the same page that we we don't really believe it. Um, it's it's too good to be true in a sense, and that we yeah. believe that it would have been reported or at least confirmed by someone bigger by now. Um, we're looking at you know getting up there with a week that this has been out there, and not one guy from the national media has said that this is a, a true thing. So I, I think we're both a little right. skeptical. But again, I mean, if if it's true, we'd of course love it. We'd be elated by it. But it's just not something we, we have reason to believe at this point. Well, yeah. I, and here's the other thing, though. You have to look at it. Nobody's denied it either. You know, there's, there's there, a lot going yes, on yes. right now with these CBA negotiations. That's what everybody's focused on. Um, now, look, Raul Ramos is a Dominican reporter. Yep. Um, and that's where Carlos Correa is from. So it's, it's one of those things where it's probably not going to happen. But I wouldn't discount it because the, the, the signing would make sense for the Orioles because, A, it shows a commitment to a good player and a commitment to this is what we're actually doing. This is the plan that we put out, and this is what we said we're going to do. I don't know that the, that the money would be the same for another player of his caliber because I think it also helps with your international, international signings. I think it helps 
with the Hispanic community overall. And there's a tie to Michael Elias because Michael Elias was in that front office that drafted Carlos Correa when he was an underslot signing. So the, yeah. the, the signing would make sense, but you also have to remember that this is the Orioles that we're talking about. So I exactly. can't imagine that it, we're right to be skeptical is, is my point. Yeah. Also, you have to look at Carlos Correa. Yeah, he's a very good player. He's one of the top shortstops in the game. But is he really worth $35 million a year? And if you look at the numbers, A, he hasn't proven that he can stay healthy very often for a full season. And B, the numbers aren't – they're good. They're $25 million a year. They're not $35 million a year. Mm, I don't, but I, if the Orioles sign him, I wouldn't be disappointed. sign him, I wouldn't be disappointed. We just got to get the these CBA signed, agreed to, and then we'll see what happens after that. It's going to be a free for all once they get that thing agreed to. Right. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I would give Carlos Correa thirty-five million a year. I would. He's a seven-point-two WAR player this year. But my biggest concern, and and one of the things I said to Ryan, is that say this were true, and the Orioles actually gave Carlos Correa ten years. I would be concerned of where he would be in 10 years with all the injuries he's had and, and the ways guys regress after after these 10-year contracts. I mean, they start to regress around year six, most of them, some of them even around year four, and they're just not the same player by the end of it. I mean, Carlos Correa, there's a good chance he's not playing shortstop by the time he's 37 years old. Right, well, and that's, that's the other thing. You, what you have to realize about 10-year contracts is 10-year contracts are a sign of good faith to the player. Yeah, but you're really right. only paying for the first five to six years. You're exactly. paying for the length of the contract, but you're only paying for the production for the first five to six years, kind of knowing yeah. that the last half, last 40% of that contract is probably not going to be what you're paying for. Right. But and, and the Orioles... These are the moves that, this is how you stay competitive in Major League Baseball. These are the moves that you got to make. I agree. And Ryan and I talked about how this division is so difficult with the other four teams being so uh, incredibly loaded right now and, and the way they've right. been winning over the past few years. The Orioles are going to have to make moves like this to stay competitive. And it's it's you look at the Dodgers and what they've done, how they were in a World Series three or four years, um, is because they, they spend a lot of money and they do things effectively yeah. like that. And it's it's a, you can have a great farm system, and the Dodgers do, but they supplement it with that kind of talent and they spend that money uh, from the free agent and trade market. And the Orioles are going to have to do the same thing if they want to stay competitive. Teams like the Yankees, teams like the Red Sox, it's going to be tough. So Carlos yeah, Correa well, would be a great move. Yeah, and they're, but that's the other thing. The Orioles are never going to spend $250 million like the Dodgers do. The Yankees don't even want to spend that much. The Yankees right. don't want to go over the luxury tax threshold. Yeah. And that's why these CBAs are so important, because, and that's why the players are asking for a higher, a higher threshold. But we'll see what happens. And I agree, you have to be willing to spend money on free agents to get your team to be more competitive. Um, the Orioles, they're, they're far away as far as a record in the, in, in the win and loss column. But they have talent coming through the pipeline, and they, maybe you have enough talent coming through the pipeline that you don't need to sign three players every year. You need to sign one big-name player every two or three years. Yeah. And I think that yeah. maybe that's where their mindset is right now with a guy like Correa. Yeah, I'm with you for sure. I think we we all have a uh, a little bit of a skeptical view on it, but look, it, it would be very exciting if this happened, and it, w- it would change the course of Orioles franchise history. So, uh, Paul, yeah. I, I think we have to get out of here in a sec, but any final thoughts that you have for, from Florida? Um, look, man, I'm just, I'm just ready to get the CBA signed and agreed to, and yeah. let's get baseball underway, man. It's, it's time. The, the fact that they're not negotiating again today, oh, yeah. they should be meeting every day. They should be meeting every day and have a sense of urgency to get this thing done. Some, both sides are going to have to cave a little bit, uh, cause you're not going to get everything you want, but they, they, they got to get this thing done because now we're, we're headed towards the middle of March now. Uh, it was, I mean, I know we're still in the first week of March, but a week from now we'll be in the middle of March, and you still yeah. don't have anything done. You haven't gotten to spring training. There's only 10 
scheduled spring training games left on the schedule. Let's get this thing done, get back out on the field, let's get baseball happening. Agreed, agreed. I just keep thinking back to what uh, Manfred said a couple weeks ago. It was a Friday afternoon. He was like, there's a sense of urgency to get this deal done. We're going to meet on Monday. Yeah. Like, all right, yeah, we need to get this done ASAP. Anyway, enjoy your weekends. It's like, right. Go go work on that golf swing a little bit more, you jackass. Yeah, that, I mean, that's basically how they, they've approached all of this. It's very lackluster. They don't seem to care. Manfred, you know, spoke about how much they care about the fans, and I'm like, really? Uh, I don't know about all that. but it's, it, it, it's, it's, it should be telling that every player to a man hates Rob Manfred, hates the job that he's doing. Yeah, and that, exactly. that, that should be a telling sign. So, I, yeah, all right, guys, I'm going to let you go. i got to run in here and get some lunch before our second game. All right, thank you, Paul. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. All right, man. See you. See you back here next week. All right, that was Paul Valley in an unexpected appearance. Um, I, I texted him this morning. I said, "Hey, call in if you if you get the time." So I'm glad that he was able to, to call in. But yeah. that's about it, Ryan. Any any final thoughts for uh, for the show this week? Not really, man. Like Paul said, I just want baseball back. But I'm gonna be go Bay Sox. Go Bay Sox. That's my team for now. You A- know. Anything to plug for us? I wish. Okay. Now, your, t- your Twitter, at least? I'd like to get back to the podcast. It was uh, Give That Fan a Podcast. You can listen to old episodes on Spotify if you'd like. Uh, I had a good episode with Matt Blood last year. Uh, yeah. We, we talked huge. about Joey yeah. Ortiz and Kyle Bradish as a couple guys who stood out to him, and they took big leaps forward last year. Yep. So if you're so inclined, uh, I interviewed Keith Law after he ranked the Orioles Farm System <laughs> 18th. Yep. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some episodes on Spotify, on Utah Street Report. You can go back and listen to if you'd like. I, I hope to get back into the podcast game soon. Um, I'm in the process of actually moving back to Maryland, so it, it should be yep. a little easier for me once I have a, a dedicated space for that. But uh, yeah, you can you can follow me at Rye Guy Blake at Orioles Fan Probs with a Z. Uh, <laughs> with a Z. <laughs> with a Z. Because I was love it. It was actually I just had my 10 year Twitter anniversary of that account. Really? Okay. So it's uh yeah, and I'm I'm approaching 14,000 followers. So if I could get there by the time the CBA is signed, that'd be awesome. Always some good but, comedy. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, vote for me in the uh, in the Mass and Orioles uh, Orioles Twitter bracket if you're so inclined. All right, sounds good. But and uh, Paul Valley will be back next week. But again, Ryan, thanks for coming in this week. Uh, great show, a lot of good stuff to to cover. Korea talk was a lot of fun. Uh, but until next week, we'll see everyone later. <laughs>